Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Baka 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 Podcast. Yeah, you know, Baka! 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 Baka. It's amazing how every time you open your mouth, you prove you're an idiot. Hello, everybody, and welcome to a very special 100th regular episode of Baka Baka Baka. Um, if you're tuning in to the 100th episode as your very first, cool. Uh, we watch anime, and then we discuss it on this podcast uh, as if we were some kind of book club. And then we look on Twitter and our emails and the comment sections to see what you guys thought and continue any discussions that we begin here. That's the point of the show, and we have done it 100 times. Not 100 anime, because sometimes we watch an anime twice, but at least 1,200 episodes You know, in the past three years. We watched yeah. a lot of anime and a couple movies. Yeah. I don't know. Maybe the episode is wrong because of the movie. Look, uh, I'm not good yeah. at math. Don't worry about it. <laughs> Look, we've watched a lot. That's, that's the point I'm trying to get across. And so to celebrate, uh, because we didn't have any better ideas, we're going back here and re-watching... Well, it's technically our third anime we watched, but it's been one of our favorites since the beginning. Uh, and it's one of like the, the best isekai on the block, and it's ReZero. The new season's about, it is technically started. I think the first episode's yeah. come out now. Mm-hmm. Uh, maybe even two by the time this gets published. <laughs> what are you trying to say? I, I, laughing at my own uh, lazy <laughs> self. Uh, <laughs> and, but we've watched so many animes since then, so many isekai uh, we all thought it would be a great idea not only to, to refresh ourselves on the story, but then see if, if this hits us differently. If we review it differently, um, watching it three years later, you know, 97 episodes later. Uh, so that is what we've done. And to discuss it, I need the help of my co-host who have been here almost every single time. Almost. Almost. And so I'm going to let them introduce themselves. Jeremy? Tell us about yourself. You are the what to my what, man. Oh, this is what you meant. <laughs> um, I am the... Uh, uh, I don't know why this is coming to mind, but okay, I'm the Terminator to your future. <laughs> I, I love it. Thankful. How you been doing? Okay. I've been doing good. Um, <laughs> we actually started giving Rick and Morty a shot, and we're through season two almost all the way now. Dang. <laughs> I'm so it's excited for you. Pretty darn good. <laughs> oh my god, some of the episodes absolutely kill me. They are so good. Like the the Mises one. Oh god, that was so good. Oh, um, but there's uh, th- there were a few other ones where I was like, yeah, yeah. They don't always land the land the very well. Until <laughs> but... you get to a certain episode about dragons, and everyone just feels very uncomfortable with that episode. It's like, really. That's in well, like two more seasons, to... though, right? Yeah, uh, yeah, it's in the first half of season four, and then in the yeah. second half you get the Vat of Acid episode, which is one of the best ever. <laughs> oh, and the yeah, cat. I saw there, was, there was like a title on one of the YouTube videos that popped up in my feed that was like, How Rick and Morty Saved Season 4, and I was like, oh boy, what's coming up? <laughs> yeah, I, <laughs> I, don't, I don't mind season four, as, uh, the first half, as much as everyone else does. I still think the Dragon Song is pretty funny, but it is kind of on a different level um, okay. so i understand what looking forward to it all right our other host can also introduce himself 
Uh, I guess I would be the. Nothing oh, to say. Right. Okay, I'll do it for you. He's the the scruff to my <laughs> yeah. beard. It's weird. It's like he was gonna talk and then he just didn't. Um, hmm. what? Somebody's gonna have fun in editing. <laughs> you uh. Happy wow. 100 episodes, you guys. <laughs> All right. So, uh, what have you been up to, Jason? Why do you care? <laughs> well, if it's what you're probably going to say, then I don't. No one wants to no. hear about sex out today. <laughs> no, for actually, the hundredth uh, time. Uh, I, I, I got a sour taste in my mouth, so I'm waiting for uh, some improvements on that game. How dare you make me farm when I want to farm? <laughs> yeah fair <laughs> um no i've been playing a lot of minecraft with my kids so um that's been a blast we pulled out uh one of the deeper um mods that makes the game a hundred times longer but you know did, it's uh yeah it's been a blast what did you see those videos i i popped into the chat with like the minecraft 4k mods the level of detail on the blocks looks realistic. It's insane. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I've actually been following the guy that's been doing those retextures because uh, he does them in Blender first. Um, yeah, they're. Uh, the, I'm. I'm just imagine that your video card melts as soon as you yeah. load up the world. I'm sure. <laughs> but it's pretty. Yeah, turn on ray tracing. Um, <laughs> so yeah, it's been uh, it's been a blast, um, and it's been nice to have a game where I can just kind of go. You know what, I'm going to build something, and leave me alone. <laughs> Very cool. Um, my, my name is Troy. That's all. Uh, I <laughs> recently, uh, like many people, uh, the Hamilton Broadway play uh, was put on Disney+. Plus. I'm a huge musical guy, and I was, I've been into Hamilton for a long time. And like I, I, I'm sure people are sick of hearing about Hamilton at this point. It, it's I am. More, it's, it, but I was telling someone it's the Tiger Woods of musicals. It, you know, you you all the other musicals are really good, and then just comes along that's on a different level, and it's changing everything. And I, like I said, I love musicals. Have been since I I was raised with them. Uh, Book of Mormon, Wicked. I, I, I've gone to many local ones. Uh, Hamilton's just better, and then it gets to be on Disney Plus, so I get to got to watch it with my family. Um, you know, we all got to sit around on the couch and watch it and get to see faces up close. It's very good. If you can stomach musicals, even if you don't like them, if you can stomach them, it, it's worth it. <laughs> some people exactly. don't have culture, but that's okay. <laughs> Everyone's allowed. And some of us watch musicals and pretend we do. <laughs> I watched Little Shop of Horror today. I love musicals. <laughs> I'm not just posing here. Yeah. All right. Let's go on and talk about this anime, guys, uh, again, which I I feel is really thematic, too, to the anime that we watch this one again, <laughs> because fair. it's it's about repeating stuff. Right. Uh, but uh, we are only talking about the first 13 episodes in this, and then in our 101st, we will talk about the, the second half of the first season, um, and we will probably be doing season two just because ReZero means that much to us, obviously. Mm-hmm. Um so, but just so you know, in a little bit, there will be spoilers for the first 13 episodes. We will do our best not to spoil what we know is coming um, in in the second half of, of season one. So if you haven't watched all of it, 
that's okay. Uh, it should be pretty safe here, and I'll try to edit out anything that's not. But right now, our non-spoiler reviews are coming. Jeremy, what did you <laughs> think of ReZero? Absolutely loved it. It was it was better even than I remember. And I'm sure that has to do with knowing that it winds up being good. And But yeah, absolutely loved it. Okay, I should probably expound on why. A little <laughs> bit, yeah, a little bit. Like, <laughs> why would people want to watch this if they haven't yet? If you're not, if you want to know why, go back and check out our episode three where we covered the hundred first... episodes. Yeah, you dropped the ball on something we do every time. <laughs> fair, that's fair. All right. Um, so uh, Subaru, we're professionals. We are. <laughs> Subaru really hit me in a way that uh, he didn't the first time through. At least. I didn't re-listen to it, so it's been a long time. I don't remember so many years ago exactly what I thought, but I don't remember him making this much of an impression on me. Um, but he was such a uh, relatable character to me. Like, the decisions that he was making and how he's so desperate and he's trying to solve all these problems and just what's on the line for him. Um, the character development that they go through, not just with him, but also with... I mean, there's something really cool about when you have timeline manipulation where you get to see well a lot of what if scenarios and they use that so well to do character development that they then kind of toss out so they're like hey you learned this thing through this event but that event never happened so we don't have to deal with the consequences so you know these characters better at no cost to yourself or to the current plot and it's just it's such a great formula uh the world's vibrant and it's full of of just oh it's it's great full of character and i just Ah, it's so hard not to talk about the next part when I think about why I like this show so much. But yes, it's I'll go back to what I said initially. It's great. All right, and now for a quick look at what Jeremy thought in episode three. I absolutely loved it. I thought it did a fantastic job uh, cramming every episode full of details, keeping your attention. And uh, yeah, I would recommend it to anybody. Very good anime. Jason, what do you think? Um... I echo Jeremy in that it's just a fantastic anime. Um, I would strongly suggest if you haven't seen this anime, um, stop what you're doing and go watch it. It's uh, This is not worth spoiling. Uh, this is one of the best anime I've ever, ever seen. Uh, and it's not... It came out in a time where we were flooded with Isekai. And you had this protagonist that comes into this world they can do amazing things like sword art online um this protagonist comes in just like all the others thinking he's just amazing and this world absolutely just smacks him down and it was a great new take it's a great uh you know and obviously the the theme is is that he he can or well that's spoiler so i guess i'll leave that alone but uh you yeah. can say there's a bit of a time loop element to it, though. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But what I, I guess what I'm saying is there's very, very select few times that he exploits it because of how terrible of an experience every time is. And I think that's what I... Uh, because that could have ruined it uh, if that just became a tool in his toolbox to solve problems, right? I don't like this scar on my arm. Hold on, guys. I gotta go stab myself. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> right, so... But yeah, um... Uh, I can't say enough about it, so I'll wait till the spoiler section to do that. And now for a quick look at what Jason thought in episode three. 
I walked into it thinking, oh, great, another Sword Art Online. Um, it blew away every single trope I was expecting, and uh, it's extremely jam-packed with uh, characters that you fall in love instantly with. Uh, I, I love the anime. I can't wait to get to the next 13 episodes. Okay. Uh, I agree wholeheartedly, um, and I think the first time we watched these first half episodes, I was like, this is pretty good. But I'm not sure where it's going. Now that, like Jeremy said, now that I, I, I also know where it's going, I watched these first group of episodes and I was like, this is so good. It's so deep. It's so juicy. It's, hey, isn't video game worlds fun? No, they're not. <laughs> hey, isn't having a save state fun? No, it's not. <laughs> um, and it plays with those ideas and it, it uses really complex characters who are saying one thing and meeting another all the time. Uh, and I didn't really get that the first time. I, I really was feeling that much more the second time. And I spent a lot of time being like, okay, what does he really mean? And that was super interesting. It touches on psychological horror uh, better than most actual psychological horror animes. And I, I love that. I love horror animes, and I love that this dabbles in it at just the right times. It, you know, it's funny, it's quirky, it's adventurous. And then it's like dark and scary and your kids should leave the room for this scene. Um, you know, that there's, there's cost to everything. And, and that's probably the biggest thing. Everything has weight. Everything has cost in a plot that very much they could just throw that out the window if they wanted to. You know, they, they have it set up. They have, especially in this Sakai, you can go overlord. You can go, I'm a slime, you know, and say, Hey, there's no cost to anything. Everything's great. And this is like, no, everything has a cost, even though we have a plot line where costs are erased. That's so cool to me. And now for a quick look at what Troy thought in episode three. I I really enjoyed this anime. I I wasn't quite sure what to expect. I knew there was a lot of high expectations coming into it. I knew this was a very popular anime. It was one I definitely wanted to get done on the podcast. So I'm happy Jeremy picked it. Now, with that said, as much as I love everything about this anime, there is something for me that's that's missing. I, I also mentioned to Jeremy in our chat that I think the really cool thing about this particular world that they wrote is there's like two, there's like three or four other anime in this anime that could be written about. Like there's there's full character development, there's full storylines, plots that don't involve our main characters, and I find that fascinating and that they were able to not only inject that into this story but pull it off in a satisfying way. I just want to know the life of three muggers who'd ever leave the same alley. <laughs> <laughs> right? Also, you know, you're absolutely right, because there's a lot of times we complain about how, oh, man, this other character would have made a better protagonist. I would have loved to have heard their story at the cost of the protagonist. I would rather hear theirs. Not here. It's like, I want to hear the protagonist's story. Absolutely. But they're worthy, too. I would totally watch their story. That's really unusual. All right, your guys' thoughts on the opening and the closing of these episodes. I, I love them so much more than last time. <laughs> um, that, like, because because I have the full context of the whole thing, like, I'm picking out just different stuff in the opening. And the closing is not done every time, which is, um, it's refreshing to have an anime just kind of end. Like, this is the end of the show. Go to the next one. Uh, but then, you know, every once in a while we get that uh, that closing and the post songs are good. The imagery is good. Yeah. Uh, 
the intro's good, but I love the outro. Um, I actually didn't realize it, but Spotify's been putting a bunch of Myth Android uh, music up for me, and it turns out that the one that they that they realized I liked Myth Android for was the outro for, <laughs> for ReZero, because I was like, yes, I love that song! Um, and so now I'm just getting tons of their music, and I love it all. It's good stuff. Um, but Styx Helix, I think it's called, and just fantastic. Um, yeah. I even got it for Beat Saber. Nice. <laughs> yeah. um, the music. So I, I should clarify. I do like the music, but of the things that I remembered better than they actually were, this is probably the one thing. This is the one thing I, I had a little bit of rose tinted glasses on because I was like, I know the beginning is this killer song. I'm like, it's a pretty good song, but it's not killing it like I remembered. <laughs> just in my opinion, I do love the visuals of the intro and the outro kind of just I felt the same way. I like it. I was like, I thought I was just like jamming to this, and I, this doesn't feel like I, I, I didn't remember them that well, so it, it just didn't hit like I thought it would. Mm. All right, now it is time to go to our spoiler section. And so, if somehow, <laughs> three years later, you haven't watched ReZero, um, and season two is about to start, and you're like, okay, maybe it's time to check it out, so you turn on this podcast. Uh, this is your chance before we ruin it for you mm. to to not listen to the podcast, but we don't really want that either. So you do you, and we're gonna start spoiling stuff. All right. So uh, I really want to talk about this intro, and I don't think I don't. I have no idea how much we talked about it. You know, back in episode three, um, there is a there is our main character. He's standing in uh, a a quick mart. You know, he's he's buying potato chips and and. Snacks for, noodles. Yeah, it's snacks to go home and game with. And he's he's just in a, a warm up suit and and we're seeing flashes of him dying. And then and then he and then he goes to this fantasy world. Guys, is this storytelling just be like, hey, just a little teaser to let you know what's coming, or is this literally happening while he's at the store? What I'm asking is, does Subaru curse himself here somehow across time. Hmm. I don't see how that works. Does time travel ever make sense? <laughs> <laughs> um. Uh, and, and you're probably right. But in this intro scene, we are also seeing shots of him dying. Are you guys just interpreting that as, hey, that's what's coming later at this episode? Because I actually watched it really carefully this time because I I do remember this scene. I was like, okay, what's going on with him? He doesn't seem to be experiencing visions. Like, it doesn't seem to be affecting him, these other cuts. Um, which Which is odd why they would choose to do this, like, half and half kind of thing. Um, because, you know, he's, he's looking at the pamphlet and then we get, you know, blood on the floor and him trying to grab someone's hand. Uh, and then it's back to him and he sees this couple walking outside the window and then it's back to him, you know, saying, I'll save you, something like that. And it's, it, it his demeanor doesn't change. He doesn't seem to be bothered by it at all. So I don't know if he's even aware that the audience is, well, where the audience, I don't think he's aware of what we're seeing is what I'm saying. What if the witch is, essentially looking at a probability to determine whether or not to select him. 
In other words, oh, like maybe we're, we're seeing the... her visions. Interesting. And then she's saying, oh, yes, he would do this. Ooh, I want this one. And then she pulls him in. That's the only thing that I, I, I was just thinking about it now as, as you were, because you pointed that out. Yeah, he's, it's definitely not him seeing these visions. So who is it? And the only thing that comes to mind for me is the witch, because it'd be really tacky if it's just the audience. If they're like, hey, here you go, audience. This is like going to make you unsettled and give you lots of questions, but there's no answers. But if it's the witch, that actually could work. I, I guess what really unsettled me or, or made me start asking questions was the other side, the 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 Subaru that's dying and the and he's saying something like I'm not going to let this end or like I'm not going to let this mm-hmm. happen and he seems determined because because we see Amelia's dead yeah man we're we're spoiling stuff yeah, yeah. <laughs> we're spoiling <laughs> stuff right off the bat that's, that's how serious this show is um nicely done by the way as if yeah. the host has never done this before <laughs> yes yeah. Uh, hundred episodes, yeah. folks. Hundred episodes. So, yep, you gotta leave it in. <laughs> he seems convinced, like he wants to save her. And when he gets to this world, which is what happens, right? The the world just it just literally transfers immediately. He doesn't go through a portal. He doesn't get sucked anywhere. He just suddenly is in this fantasy world. Um, and then we find out later he's going to have this power. And it just really feels convenient that the Subaru who is dying got his wish. But then, well, you, well, so you're you're creating a paradox with that because that means he would have to be in the world to summon dude, himself from the other world. You know my theory about this anime, and the, the whole thing is that it's a paradox. So yes, I am. But I am saying like <laughs> I'm not saying like he has the power to give this to himself, but I am saying that like maybe the witch is granting him a wish of, uh, like you said, of, of something he's going to wish for in the future. Um, it just well, feels like it feels like he's the one who pushes the first domino that sets events and emotions in my heart. I guess. Do you guys, do you guys Paradox not think this was his first death? Because to me, this looked exactly like his first death. Oh, yes. and then he reset. Yeah, back and into the real world. But his first death also seems a little more. No, like, like stuff. No, when, no. When he dies at the end of this episode, mm-hmm. so. Okay, it's like it, it's a little different from the like every time I see time he dies, it just like the screen closes and then opens up and he's back alive in the in the time jump. This mm-hmm. time it's like everything's shaking, yeah, and, and and it's like very violent. So yes, I do think that these visions are this first death, but I do think this first death is where the power turns on, and yes. that he he it's his fault he gets this power either yes. indirectly or directly. Yeah, that's what I, think. I mean. Sure, but every other death he has memories from before he died. Yeah, I'm yeah. talking about how the anime portrays the death and the reset. Right, so in other words, like it couldn't be possible that he doesn't have the memories of this entire lifetime if he was thrown back into his pre-visit to this new world. Um, he would remember everything inside the gas station. Um, but... But I think this would totally work with the witch. If if the witch was seeing, if she was basically saying, hey, I'm going to look at you. I'm going to put you in this situation in my head, run the probabilities. Yeah, you're the kind of person that's going to say this. I'm I'm foreseeing your first death. Brings him into the world. When he gets there to the first death, he executes exactly like she said. Then she curses him. And now he's caught in the loop. That's how I see it. 
I can see that. Yeah, and, and I'm fine with that. But I guess my only twist is that she is giving him that reset per his request. Like he had to ask for it or or want it um, to get to get yeah. this. Yeah, it was like one of those things where she knew he'd ask for it. But you're right; it didn't happen until he asked for it. Right. Mm-hmm. Okay. And now for a quick look at what Jeremy thought in episode three. The hand is a very important thing, and I keep seeing it recurring through this show, where she has her hand in the beam of light, he puts his hand on hers in the beam of light, right? And that's when he's like, I promise, and you see all the purple lights and stuff. I think that's when it happened. I don't think it has anything to do with him coming from another world into this world. I think that he was cursed at the moment that he made that promise touching her hand, which is even more indication in my book that she has something personally to do with Satella. You think the power came from Amelia? I do. So we've kind of introduced him. Our main character is Subaru. He is a, a 18-year-old guy from shut Japan. In. He's a shut-in, admittedly, yep. but he does, you know, exercises every day. So he's in decent, decent shape, but yep. he knows his video game tropes, and uh, he's he's just a regular guy. Uh, thoughts on our main character? He, it's so funny because I remember the first time we watched this, I was so frustrated at a lot of the cringier scenes with the dialogue between him and other characters. Cause I'm just like, don't say that or don't act like that. And I have to keep reminding myself this time. He's just an 18 year old kid. He's just trying to do what he thinks is appropriate in that moment. Cause he has no experience on how he should react. Uh, he's just kind of going true to his heart. And I think that's the best way to describe Subaru is he is always true to himself. Um, he rarely falters, which he does. He does falter uh, a few times in this. Uh, but I think it, it's funny because, you know, when we started this podcast, I didn't know anything about character arcs or story development or structure. Looking back, this is probably one of the best <laughs> character arcs I've ever witnessed um in a story being told on media uh this hit you know love subaru or hate him his growth throughout this entire anime uh is probably some of the best slow burn storytelling i've seen in a sense so and now for a quick look at what jason thought in episode three i i i love the character um he's like you guys have recapped you know he's he's the every every guy's Everybody's man. But what's great is he holds on to this idea throughout the first 13 episodes that he is the main character of this story he's living, even though the rest of the world obviously could not care less that he exists. Mm-hmm. Um, and then like, there's a moment where he's like, ah, goons, XP for me. You know, <laughs> uh, he, he just he has this expectation that he is he is the main character. I watched one review. I think it was the one you linked, Jason. Uh, my mother's basement. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> I don't want to say the wrong one again. But uh, I watched part of that review, and um, it was great. But he, I think, I think it was there that he made the point that um, Subaru has a lot of bad qualities, and these bad qualities he's basically eliminating from himself every time that he dies. It's like <laughs> that's what it takes for him to refine himself. And and it's fascinating because the characters that he runs into wind up being characters that he could have been, could have become. Um, you know, all of his negative qualities 
are expressed. And so I was actually trying to pay attention for that as I was watching. And, and I did see to some degree where he, he's extremely obsessed. He's, he's so obsessive, especially over Emilia. And, and like the way that he uh, impulsively allows his uh, jealousy to surface and, and other things that just are such painfully uh, overblown anti-virtues <laughs> i guess <laughs> qualities that he has and um and and so yeah seeing him gradually start to like he's working with those he's expressing them and this whole story which we're only seeing the very beginning of it is going to be about him turning into a better person and like you say jason we're already seeing such awesome character development on his arcs um i love Subaru, the way that they designed him, the things he has to go through, everything is so visceral. I feel it when he's in pain. They just did such a great job with him. And now for a quick look at what Jeremy thought in episode three. He's got this uh, positive energy and optimism where he's being the audience and yet he's still being his character. He's dealing with all the tragedy and, and all the difficult things he's encountering. And yet he's still saying, you know, this is a show and we've got to push forward and I've got to be happy. And I know what my goals are. He's a really interesting character to me. I really like Subaru. One thing I wanted to point out, too, is that he is a stereotypical, good-hearted anime protagonist. What I love about the storytelling is they show just how flawed that particular arc can be. And that if taken to some of its natural logical extremes, like with the jealousy or the, it mentioned many times in the dub how greedy he is, it gets him into trouble and sometimes killed. So it's, yeah. uh, yeah, it, I, I think that's a big difference between a lot of these other isekais where you've got this, you know, I am good because good. Uh, and this anime is like, yeah, but you take that too far this way, look what happens. <laughs> and now for a quick look at what Jason thought in episode three. I, I, I love the character. Um, he's like you guys have recapped, you know, he's, he's the every, every guy's, everybody's man. But what's great is he holds on to this idea throughout the first 13 episodes that he is the main character of this story he's living, even though the rest of the world obviously could not care less that he exists. Mm-hmm. Um, and then like, there's a moment where he's like, ah, goons, XP for me. You know, mm-hmm. uh, he, he just, he has this expectation that he is, he is the main character. I, one of the things I really picked up on this time, um, building off what you guys have already said about how, you know, deep down he is a good guy, but he also is not as virtuous as he thinks he is. What, the first thing he does when he shows up, and he's like, all right, this is an isekai, <laughs> but this is a video game. I'm the protagonist. I'm the hero. <laughs> and almost always his initial reaction to anything is with that mindset. Like, um, you know, he, he meets an Apple vendor, an Apple vendor, they're apples. <laughs> uh, and, and then he goes into an alley and he gets mugged and he immediately punches, you know, fights back and then gets beaten up because <laughs> his thought was, well, I'm the hero, so I'll fight you. But also the way he talks um, feels very much like someone who's playing a character, uh, the way he flirts shamelessly with the, the main female character and even the other female characters, like he, he has no shame and I... Hey, beautiful lady, you're beautiful. 
And then that doesn't work, and he kind of turns back into a regular person who's like, "Oh yeah, I'm just like I'm I'm just playing, and and you, I mean, you're pretty, uh, but I'm not trying to make you feel uncomfortable." And and he just has that that personality, and it is really funny to see that his initial reaction is, you know, he's it's like what you would type in an MMO game if you thought you were like really cool in that MMO game. And then that gets slapped down because this is like, no, this is a real world with real people. That doesn't work. And then he or has to try to, sim. right? He has to try to yeah. evolve past that. Um, and it's fascinating to watch. And I didn't really catch that the first time because, like Jason said, it's really cringy <laughs> too. You know the stuff he says to girls, the way he portrays himself. Like I'm the hero, and he poses, and everyone's like. You're an idiot. That's that's <laughs> what you are. Um, nope. um, because he is an idiot who doesn't quite get that he's not here to save the day. Or if he is, it's something he can never share. <laughs> yeah. Yep. And now for a quick look at what Troy thought in episode three. I mean, if he's supposed to be the everyman anime watcher, video game player, I think I would freak out a little bit more if I open my eyes and I'm just not home anymore. Oh, um, yeah. Yeah. Uh, also, yeah, the the I love a good time loop story. Groundhog's Day, one of the best films mm-hmm. of all time, um, and they're become much what more popular. Looper? I love Looper. Oh, I love I love every Ryan Johnson film, Jason. <laughs> oh yeah, you do, don't you? I'm just I'm just infatuated with Bruce Willis. Okay, so let's just get that off the table. Um, Happy Death Day, fantastic. Slasher film in a time loop, so cool. Uh, oh, I like one. the one with Tom Cruise in the the suit in the future. Yep, yep, another Edge great tomorrow one. Tomorrow or something like that. Love a good time yep. loop. Uh, but he is someone who has to literally die to reset the time loop, um, and then he has save points. Uh, and it, this first one is just this first day. Later, he has one that's like four days long. And watching it this time, I'm like, that must be so tedious to wait four days to find out if you. One <laughs> and terrifying. Um, it's it's interesting too because there's a couple times where he expresses just f- pure frustration of having to start over. And I keep thinking back because you you mentioned you know save point. It's like I I I've gone days in Skyrim and then died and I forgot to save. And it like having to redo all that work. I can only imagine what that would be like if it was your actual life instead of just a video game. And it's like, oh, man, rebuild those relationships, rebuild all your skills. Because he comes back with, like, the skills, right? Because he has all his memories. But it's like, yeah, uh, having to just redo everything. I mean, it's we have the luxury like... of skipping. <laughs> <laughs> it's like what games like Dark Souls are based on, right? That, like, you're going to die over and over and, and have to use your use memories of, to pick up skills to, to advance. And that, that tediousness is what is the grind, right? That oh, over and over, I try and try and I walk the whole mile to get back to that boss. And then they one shot at me. And now the only thing left to do is just walk back there and try again. It's so hard and it grinds you down yeah. except for on a real human psyche, not a, a guy in his 30s still playing video games <laughs> which is nothing wrong really with. personal oh. plus instead of just battles you actually are dealing with conversations and nobody likes to retread those <laughs> i do when we get to the mansion arc i do want to bring that up again though because i have some mm-hmm. questions all right so the muggers 
uh, beat him up. A thief girl runs by, and then a white-haired half-elf woman and her spirit cat man named Puck uh, show up and save him. Even though they don't really have time to save him, they don't seem to really want to save him. But this character, you know, Amelia, does the right thing and does save him. He immediately becomes infatuated with her, uh, for both for saving him, and and we get to meet her proper. We are told her name is Satella, which in context is like telling someone your name is Hitler. Mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, so this is Amelia. Your guys' thoughts on Amelia, who is Bay? Um. <laughs> I had to. I had. To. I know nice. it's coming. Nice you guys are gonna that. do the same thing when when your bay shows up. So go. yes. What you guys? Um, I one quick thing on Subaru in this alley uh, that you meant. I, I love that you mentioned that he believes he's the hero of his own story nearly every step of the way. These first couple episodes, Felt comes by and he's like, "Oh, the cute girl to come, you know, be my <laughs> yes. romantic interest." Come to find out, she's like ten. <laughs> but then uh, 15 but yes basically oh okay but and then she runs off and then amelia comes and he's like oh no you must be it <laughs> and it's it yeah but anyways back to amelia um she's one of these good-hearted people so pure that it's so detrimental to her in nearly as- every aspect of her life because she's so forgiving um to a fault and I think that makes her a very compelling character, especially in the situation she's in, um, where she is very, very serious and very important um, business to do. And here she is taking the time to do, you know, the right thing. But, you know, it. she, she, she even mentions, hey, he's probably just going to wake up, be fine because he's out cold on the ground she needs to go do this thing that basically will solidify her future, whether she gets to be part of the selection process or not. And she takes the time to help Subaru, Um, you know, and, and from that aspect, it's like, I I'm always rooting for her to grow a spine. (laughs) And when she finally does in episode 13, uh, it's, it's raw and I it just the storytelling is amazing. I do love it. But yeah, she's she's a very compelling character in that way, but she's a little frustrating to watch, which I find and not in a bad way. Like it's frustrating that I want better for her and even though she's not willing to do it for herself. And now for a quick look at what Jason thought in episode three. Um, I agree that she's extremely complex. Um I found her a little dull at the beginning just because it was a bit tropey when he first meets her. Yeah, it's interesting because she does have this this limit on how much crap she'll take <laughs> before she breaks. We just don't see it. Subaru has to find that limit. Um, but uh, but I think one thing that's really interesting about her that that you didn't quite explicitly mention, but I think you were inferring it, was that she has a lot of self-hatred and that's where her desire to always do good comes from. And I think that's, that's a really cool aspect of her because I mean, we wind up finding out later, you know, what would it take for a person to name themselves Satella? You know, like you said, Troy, it's a horrible thing to do. What would the mentality of that person be? 
And, um, and it, it's not a healthy one. It's, it's a psychopath basically, or somebody who either hates either that or they hate themselves so much that they just, you know, it's their way of insulting themselves because they have an opportunity and you're not even in on the joke. You know, nobody's in on the joke except for her and Puck. So, um, I, I think that is a, another interesting facet of her personality because, um, I can imagine the weight that she would have to live under with her reputation. We do find out that she's very unique. She's special. She's a half elf and she bears a resemblance to a horrible figure from the past. Um, and that particular figure is named Satella. Um, and that's always hanging over her head. So, um, so she never feels like she's good enough. But, uh, yeah. And now for a quick look at what Jeremy thought in episode three. Yeah, she was a character that was hard for me to get along with at the beginning, but as the series progressed and I noticed that, I really like her. I think she's very interesting and complex and I wonder what connection she has to Satella. Uh, just like Subaru, when I watched her this time, I spent a lot, I spent a lot of time paying more attention to her than probably the rest of the characters. A, cause I knew I had the defended Bay, you know, that she is Bay. <laughs> I knew that was coming. But, um, one thing I, I really latched onto this time is every time she does something, she does things out of the goodness of her heart. You can tell she's a good person, right? She helps children that are lost. She helps this poor idiot who's getting mugged. She does that all the time. But, if you ask her about it, she tells you there's a there's a benefit of getting something out of this. Mm-hmm. And and then you look at her connection with Roswell, who's, I'm going to help you get the throne because I want something. And it makes me think that every relationship she's ever had um, has been, what can you give me? What can I give you? Your only value is what I can get from you. And that um, combined with the, the, the self-loathing that you said um, because of who she is, that that's how she just has seen the world. Um, and that that's the reason she connects so much to Subaru so fast, even though it has to happen multiple times. He's this guy who's just, I don't want anything from you. I just want to help you. You know, I just want to, I just like you for you. That's never happened to her before. Everyone else is like, oh, you're a, you're a path to the throne. You're a path to power. You're, you have this I can get from you. Um, that was really cool to see this time and made her so much more interesting in everything she did. To see this person who is truly good-hearted but thinks she has to hide it behind this wall of, oh, no, I'm, I'm doing this for value. I, I, it gives me something. And she thinks that's a good thing um, and that that's her default excuse. That Especially in those first couple episodes when she's like, yeah, I helped that child. But really, it was just to get information. Like, no, no, it wasn't. She helps the child no matter what happens in every instance of this timeline. Um, I, I think she's a fascinating character. Um, and now for a quick look at what Troy thought in episode three. On the initial viewing of her, I was very confused by her motivations because she talks about favors and, you know, like, oh, you did this for me, so I had to do this for you. And that actually becomes a big theme with her character throughout. I don't really agree spineless, but it definitely obviously not, like, bold all the time, right? Um, I do think she has self-esteem issues because of yeah. I, I think I think maybe spineless was the wrong word, uh, but I think she bends over a little too easy until you push her to her breaking point. Mm-hmm. But you know, she spends ten episodes basically, you know, uh, bending over backwards to be nice, even though she then tries to cover it up with the you know this for that. Um, any any quick thoughts on Puck? Uh, 
he's cute. He's, he's furry. He's segment. sweet. Um, yeah. Really <laughs> weird. I, I love Puck. I, I think Puck's great. He's really weird, full grown. He's laying his lap. He even saw it. <laughs> yes. Also, he watches his face. <laughs> yeah, so they search the city for this little girl who stole something from her. Uh, they help a little child that gets lost, and it ends up being the apple vendor's daughter. So he gives them information. They go to the slums. Um, in the slums, Puck is like, hey, my time is up. I, I can only help, you know, during the day because I have a, a mana limit. Um, and we learn a little bit about it because he's a spirit. And he's like, hey, but if something really goes wrong, you can still, you can force me out, right? You can, there's a, a emergency button, you know, you can use. Mm-hmm. And we see her talk to lesser spirits to get information. And they eventually wind up at Rom's loot house in the slums, which is basically where thieves sell stuff. <laughs> it's, a, it's a pawn shop, basically, uh, that, you know, you can get money from. Uh, Super is like, it's I'll go in. Yeah, and he, he goes inside, and it's dark, and he steps in blood, and there's an old dead man laying on, on the ground, and he hears a woman's voice, and then his gut is slit open, and he dies on the ground. And and like we mentioned at the very beginning, this death is for this reset, because he, he's going to go back to the Apple vendor at the beginning of the day. Um, it's portrayed differently than everything else, just cuts, reset. This one is like everything's shaking and the camera is like really getting crazy with it. There's sound and then it resets. Mm-hmm. Um, so I do think this moment is specific and important, but um, just wanted to call that out. Um, also, Amelia also, comes in and yeah, Amelia comes in and dies. Yeah. And she falls down and you get the same scene as we got when he was in the grocery store or the gas station where her hand comes, lays down next to his and there's like a halo of light next to their or over their hands and yeah yeah uh so he yeah he wakes up back in town uh the muggers come after him again but this time he manages to fight them off he then goes immediately to the loot house he has he doesn't realize what's happened right he's like was i dreaming of that at all or is this the next day what's going on um so he goes to the loot house and he talks to old man rom who's this big giant barbarian dude um, and he's like, hey, what happened when I came here yesterday? Do you do you remember? And the guy's like, you've never been here before. Um, you've never died, have you? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's great. He gives him his potato chips. He's like, I could trade these. And the guy just starts eating them. <laughs> uh, but then, then the character Felt arrives. And this is the thief. And he gets to meet her officially. And we learn that she's been hired to steal this. Um, and... He wants to buy it from her. So your guys' thoughts on Felt, who plays an uh, important role here in this first story arc and then doesn't show up till the end of these 13 episodes again, but is definitely an important character to this anime. Um, yeah, I think she's a fantastic addition to the cast. Um, she doesn't get a lot of screen time, but man, when she's on, the writing does her justice. I, I don't know. It, something about it, it's like she's, she's very distinguishable. Um, she has a very important role to play, and then also she's, uh, you know, she's just got this air about her that uh, allows her to. You want to know more about her character? Like this is one of those characters where, yeah, I could follow her for a couple episodes, <laughs> but um, yeah, she's, uh, and I think it's less about what she does, but more about her view of the world 
because she's you know she's a uh, lives in the slums she steals for money uh and you know that's that's the hard life and reality of life for her and it's interesting because we'll get a scene later where her and uh subaru basically talk about that and how she's just like you know th- this is my reality you know i don't get to go to home to some fancy place like i have to struggle every day um but yeah she's uh She's an interesting character. And now for a quick look at what Jason thought in episode three. You know, the young, overambitious, I can do anything archetype. Mm-hmm. We also find out in this portion, in this reset, that she has the blessing of the wind and can move really fast. And I want to know so much more about these things because we really don't. We don't know that much by the end of these 13 episodes about what the blessings are and, and even just how magic works. We get like a cursory introduction to it. And yeah, so just, just seeing that and knowing, you know, does that even mean anything as far as like, does it make her special in the hierarchy of people? Obviously she's living in the slums. So, but is she choosing to? I mean, I don't know. There's, there's some interesting things about her. I'm curious about. And now for a quick look. And what Jeremy thought in episode three. So little seen about her, but I, I like the character. I like the character design. I like her abilities. Um, and I like the connection she has to the slums. They've got a really good direction that they're coming from there. Uh, but I really don't have much about her character. We don't see they uh, get to see a lot of parents. Like we know mm-hmm. Amelia's half elf, but we don't we have no idea what her parents are like. We never get to know what Felt's parents are like or if they're even alive. Yeah. It's true. Uh, I I love the the quirkiness, the spunky girl character um, who's also got obviously enough backstory that she could have been the central female protagonist just as easily as anybody else Mm -hmm. um, and probably would have been if she had stopped to help a loser in the middle of an alley getting mugged. Um, But she ran by, so she doesn't get that role. And it really does kind of feel like that's the way this world works is just like, butterfly wings flap and things change uh, but yeah she she's absolutely fascinating and one of my favorite things about her is her relationship with old man rom and how they obviously take care of each other mm-hmm. uh, um, that there's a bit of a, a familial relation surrogate thing going on there that's, that's really fun grandpa uh, grandpa yes and now for a quick look at what troy thought in episode three i, I felt um, she was the most cliche character to me uh, the only thing Subaru has to offer is a uh, what's called a media, which is basically an item that lets users use magic without using their own mana. Except for it's, it's his cell phone, and he's like, "Ah, I can take, I can steal your faces," <laughs> and he takes pictures with it. And it's an old flip phone too. Um, and uh, but what it is priced really high, and she's like, okay, but I was hired for this job, so when this person shows up, I'm going to have a fair bidding. Um, and this other person shows up, and it's Elsa, and she has ice powers, and nope, that's the wrong thing. Nope. Yeah, uh, wrong show. No, yeah, uh, no, uh, she is the queen of spilling guts. Um, yep. <laughs> guys, thoughts on the assassin Elsa? I love this bad guy. Um, <laughs> everything, like every scene she's in where her mask slips, uh, figuratively, right? 
because she always comes across as a proper lady until you either say the wrong thing or you let her know that you know who she is. Um, the, the crazy eyes were drawn so well, and her her combat prowess is amazing, but then also just her just raw craziness is just great to watch. And, you know, later when her and Reinhardt go at it, it's so satisfying. Um, you know, she's she's one of those bad guys you just love to hate. But she's also, she's intriguing on her own right. Like, why is she like this? How, you know, what's her backstory? Yeah. Yeah, there's actually a, um, so the author, every year on his birthday, I believe, is when he puts out these alternative timelines of what would have happened if Subaru had taken a different path on this particular life. And, um, and in this, in one of those, he actually, Subaru winds up fighting Elsa 88 times, losing, and then basically helping her escape, going with her, and just going in a completely different direction, becoming sort of the villain of the story. But Elsa winds up being, you know, a, a character that's right there. Like you say, Jason, she, she's interesting enough, and she's developed enough that she could actually be right there with the protagonist as a side character, as a, as a lead female for a while. And um, I, I think that's fascinating because it really does. It speaks to how well he's developed these characters. Just the fact that he can do this, that he can take them off on these journeys in these alternate timelines. And you get that even though we only get a fraction of, of that time with her here, we see that there's a lot behind this character. Um, and, and yeah, there's, there's another character that we're introduced to later that has blue hair in a, in a village. And, I I didn't even realize this the first time through, but she's not who she seems to be, <laughs> and she has a connection to Elsa, and that's absolutely fascinating to me. So um, I, I love that, that the first time through. Yeah. Uh, Elsa reminds me of the Joker in the best way, and obviously she's not. I mean, she's crazy um, and quite a different character. But what I mean by that is. What's scary about the Joker is if you're standing in a room with him, he's as much going to tell you a joke as he is going to stab you. And there's like nothing that separates those two decisions for him. It's literally like the wind blows and he goes the other way. And every time a character is talking to Elsa, it feels like she's going to slice your guts open, which is what she yeah. loves to do on the drop of a dime. You know, like, oh, you said a word I don't slightly like and, and you're dead or she's just going to say something polite to you and walk away. And, and there's actually a moment where uh, in another cycle, he, he like has a conversation with her in the street and it's like, which way is she going to go? And you don't know. And that's, you know, there's villains who are like, yeah, I'm going to kill you if I get to, but then there's villains that are like, am I probably maybe, I don't know. Yes. No. Yes. No. <laughs> and that's terrifying. Like, Oh God, just stab me already. <laughs> <laughs> Yep. <laughs> and Elsa portrays that so well. So, um, yeah, I love her as a villain as well. Uh, and, and basically she comes in and they have this little auction and Subaru's phone wins. And she's like, oh, so why did you even want it? He's like, oh, I'm going to return it. And she's like, nope. And she kills everyone. She kills Rom. Rom fights her first. She kills him. Uh, Felt attacks her. She kills Felt. 
and then Subaru's like, well, I'm going to fight you. And she's like, yeah, you, your only chance was back when they were fighting me. Maybe you could have helped and given them a chance. But no, this is over. And she slits his guts and then just like stands over him is like, oh, you're dying so slow. And starts so poking painful. at him. Yep, just playing yeah. with his guts as and it, and we sit there with him as he dies and bleeds out on the floor. Um, and and time resets again. <laughs> um, he's back at the Appa vendor. He actually passes out this time, and the vendor helps him. Um, and then when he wakes up, Amelia is walking by, and he calls out, "Hey, Satella!" <laughs> and she turns around and she's like, "What did you call me?" Because that's like. Seeing a guy with a mustache walk by and being like, hey, Hitler. <laughs> right. And everyone around just looks at him like, yeah, how dare you? That yeah. was not cool, man. That's an, that's an insane thing to yell out. Um, so then from there, um, actually, right after this, in the next episode starts, and Felt shows up and steals the insignia, uh, which is interesting because this kind of that feels like it's a little different in... It's time placement of when, what happens and where. But he then runs into the muggers again, and he's like, you know what? I'm not dealing with you guys. And he's like, I'm just walking past them, and they literally just stab him to death and, and leave him to die. Um, this is this is actually interesting, this, because the other two were not down to kill anyone. Mm-hmm. The, the other two muggers were like, what are you doing? Mm-hmm. Um, and it, it's interesting, because, it, again... We have three non-consequential characters we keep running into that have more development than half the characters in a certain slime anime. Like, it, yes. yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's the, the, the leader stabs him and then the little guy like finishes killing him. He's like, well, in for a penny, in for a pound. Like, let's, let's get the goods and go. <laughs> they just like finishes them off. Um, he. This is when he officially like. Okay, I'm clearly in a time loop. Um, this is this, and it activates by dying, and it's called um, return, return by death. Return by right? death. Mm-hmm. Well, one other thing I wanted to point out is every time he's laying on the floor, you hear in his head in the narration, "It hurts. It hurts." Like I don't want to die. This is awful. And I think that's really, really important to establish early on in the anime, which they do a fantastic job with that. This is not a tool mechanism in his toolbox that he wants to use willy nilly to, you know, reset time so he can do something differently. It's like this is an awful, terrible experience that he has to go through in order to reset. Yeah, yeah it's um, Subaru's. It's not even just in the beginning. They, all of the anime, Subaru says all the time, like, I want to live. Dying is the worst. You only get one life. Um, you know, while he does death. Uh, uh, reset by death he doesn't know the limits if he gets a certain amount of tries and then Mm -hmm. it's permanent doesn't know how it works and he's not never eager to (laughs) reset ever (laughs) which is like like you said it's just so important to give the story stakes even when you're time looping you know you can't just drive off a cliff with a groundhog and be okay the next day (laughs) (laughs) or a toaster in the tub Um, when he realizes this, he's like, well, then I, I could just live the sweet life. I could just like do whatever I want, have a good time in this world. But then he remembers, but Emilio would still die. 
She's still going to go to Loot House and she helped me and I can't, I'm just not that guy. I'm not, I'm going to, I'm going to help. Um, so that's why he is committed to this course of action. Um, he gets the Appa vendor to give him information on Felt, uh, by promising to buy stuff, something from him someday. <laughs> Uh, cause the Apple vendor is always like, you know, you're broke. Please stop standing in front of me. I'm trying to do business here. You're loitering. And he's like, I could have money someday. <laughs> <laughs> um, he runs into the muggers again and he's like, ah, but I figured it out this time because when you murdered me, you were worried about guards, which means there are guards. And he screams out for the guards and they're like, oh no, he, he called for guards and then no one comes and they're like, oh, okay, no, we'll, we'll kill you now. And then Akai does come, and we meet Reinhard the Dragon Knight, or something like that. Monster Dragon Slayer, Lord. something like that. He's got a really cool title. It's cool. Yeah, he's like a sword he's saint. Got, yeah, he's got a bright red hair, and he's got a sword that's so powerful you can only draw it if the enemy is strong enough. Yep. That's so cool. I don't know yeah. why. That just makes me go, that's so cool. That like, is really he pick, cool. He picks up other weapons and like uses them and breaks them because he's so powerful. Uh, anyway, guys, your your thoughts on <laughs> Reinhardt, who who basically chases the muggers away, and he's like, "Hey, can I be of assistance? I'm a really cool dude who helps people." <laughs> it, he would be the protagonist in any other lesser anime, honestly. Uh, he's he's the true kind-hearted knight. Um, but I think what I really like about his introduction here, and also what we see from him, is it firmly establishes that we're not just in an anime. Fantasy anime, but we're in a high fantasy anime where there are real, like, powerful, uh, more than just powerful, like devastating magical abilities that can do amazing things. And, uh, and what it does is it just separates a lot of the other characters in this world from Subaru, who's just a dude. And I think that's what's fascinating about this one because, you know, with all the other. It's a guy out there. It, it oh, just puts it on another level. I know I keep comparing it yeah. to others, but it's just it's so hard not to uh, how well the storytelling is done. But yeah, the, it just shows how weak and pathetic at this point uh, Subaru is, and that how he by the end like his growth is just astronomical. I don't think you need to feel bad about comparing. I mean, that's literally what we're here to do. We've watched so many Isekai now. How, how does this one land? And, and I think it's very fair to compare it to Slime, to Overlord, to what, what was the how to summon a, uh, a Demon Lord? Hero, hero Shield, Shield Hero. Which oh, I, I, Shield, Shield Hero, Hero probably was, I still think is still pretty up there. Konosuba. Yeah, Shield Hero was good. It's just and that, Konosuba. You know, Konosuba. What all of those have in common, like SOA or SAO, is you know yeah. you've got the power fantasy, right? Guy from another world comes, he gets a bunch of cool powers, and then he goes and you know kicks butt. Super doesn't have any of that. And in fact, his only mm-hmm. superpower is waking up after being mercilessly murdered. <laughs> my, my favorite yep. thing in Isekai Quartet is when, um, oh god, I'm drawing a blank. The guy from Konosuba mm. meets Subaru and he's like, Man, you have it so easy. And Subaru's like, I can't tell him how hard it is. <laughs> yep. All right. Um, Let's see what happens next. Um, yeah, so he, he the only thing Subaru asked him of is like, hey, if you see Amelia, tell her not to go to the loot house. 
And then he goes off to to find Felt. He runs into Elsa first and has that conversation I mentioned where, where she's like, oh, you're Damn terrified of me. Chills. You know mm-hmm. stuff. And he's like, I, I'm just walking down the street talking to a pretty lady. She's like, no, you're terrified of me. That's awesome. And I can oh, smell it. I wish I, <laughs> she's like, I wish I had time to do something with it, but I gotta go. <laughs> and I love it that what he says at this point as she's leaving, it just shows how he's so spunky himself because he basically murmurs something to the effect of, um, keep acting like that and you'll, your beauty will go to waste or something like that. He says something like that that's like, it's so biting and it's so just spunky in that moment when he knows yeah. what she can do. Doesn't he make a comment about like, wow, that's a really rude thing for you to say to me. <laughs> yeah, he does, but he like incorporates her beauty where he's like basically saying, you're such a bitch and you're so beautiful. It's such a waste that you're so beautiful because you're such a bitch. And that's when she turns and she looks back and, and what, what does she say? She says something about his tongue or something. And, and that's when she gives the creepiest eyes. This was one of my favorite Elsa moments because it looks like she's about ready to just destroy him. And oh God, this is great. Away. You got to see it. Yep. So he finds Felt's uh, home where she gets her loot. Um, but she's not there, and when she does show up, she assumes he's robbing her or attacking her. So she attacks him, uh, and we see that he actually has like he has some really cool moves where he, like kicks up a table to protect himself. You know, he's not he's not like super weak. He's not just like laying down and dying. He's not a, a Jerry Smith from Rick and Morty. <laughs> yeah, uh, he, he but he convinces her like, hey, I know I'm here to buy the thing you stole. Uh, I have this phone. It's totally worth it. Let's not do negotiating. Let's just do this. And she's like, well, I don't believe you in the value, so let's go to the loot house. He's like, oh, we always end up at the loot house. So they go to the loot house. They talk to Rom. Rom is like, yeah, this would sell for about that value. Um, so it, it, this would be a good deal. And then the do- there's a knock at the door. He's like, no, 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 let's not answer that. Let's, <laughs> let's hope they go away. Um, and, and it ends up being Amelia who comes in. And so technically, in this time loop, this is the first time he meets Amelia. Or, or I guess Amelia meets him, right? So, and she's like, she assumes he's with Felt. He's like, no, I'm trying to buy this back for you. And she's like, why would you do that? You have no idea who I am. He's like, no, no, you're the most beautiful person in the whole wide world. Um, and then Elsa does show up and basically starts a fight. He also realizes at this point, oh, if I hadn't have even shown up here in this world, she would have got here so much sooner. Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. She because she like when they did it together, it was nighttime, and she shows up like mid afternoon. <laughs> He's like, yep. "Oh, did I slow her down that much?" And yes, yes, he did. Yes, we did. <laughs> <laughs> um, they fight Elsa, and, and Puck helps, and and Puck and Amelia we see are very formidable force. They have ice powers. They can do shields and, and shoot ice daggers out. Um, they actually, like, freeze her foot to the floor. And she has to, like, rip her skin off and then puts ice, it, yeah. Yeah, puts ice onto the bottom of it to, like, make a shoe for it. Um, and then Rom gets involved. He almost dies but gets saved. And then eventually Subaru gets involved, but he tells Felt, like, you've got to run away. You're the youngest here. We're going to save you. I don't want you to die. He convinces her to run away. And then he and Amelia try fighting her. Um, 
There is a moment, I wrote this down and I forget what he says, but he turns and looks at the camera and breaks the fourth wall in this episode. He's like yelling at um, Elsa about about her behavior. And then he like turns to the camera and says something like, but don't you worry about it. And I forget, I didn't write what he said, but I wrote down fourth wall break. And I'm like, out of nowhere, we're just breaking the fourth wall in this anime? It really was weird. He wasn't talking no, to Amelia? He looks at the camera, and I wish I wrote down what he said, because I oh, cannot yeah. remember. I don't Usually remember when that. I write a note like this, it sticks, but um, I do remember him turning to the camera. I just don't remember the actual words he said. <laughs> and now for a quick look at what Troy thought in episode three. He said he, he's he's stalling for time in the scene, and he turns to the audience yeah. and says, stay with me, folks, this is going somewhere. Yeah. <laughs> um, they Basically, this is a really cool fight. And they're, they don't win, though. Reinhardt shows up, and he's like, hey, guys, I'll take care of this. <laughs> and so she's, uh, Amelia heals Rom, um, yeah, old man Rom, while Reinhardt's fighting her. And he's like, why isn't Reinhardt just, like, killing her? And she's like, well, I'm using the mana in the air just like he is, so he can't go all out. So as soon as I say so, I'm going to get done healing. You tell him it's time. And he does. And so Reinhardt just was like, basically destroys everything in front of him. It's like a huge <laughs> yeah. blast. We see how powerful this guy is. So powerful that the random sword he picked up off the ground um, disintegrates in his hand. And he's like, sorry about that sword. <laughs> um, and Elsa like pops out of the rubble and attacks Subaru and he manages to block it with uh, she's going for amelia but subaru pushes her out of the way yeah right. and, and he uses rom's club to to block it because he's like well i know what she's gonna shoot for um the guts and then she gets yep. away right yeah 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 i mean uh, she she looks super injured but she you know does her little ninja flippy gets out that means we that means we have two villains that that get away in the, in this story that are still out there that's oh man they can't take three years per season, guys. They gotta go faster. This yeah. Uh, yeah. So, but he's like, Amelia's like, okay, I, I guess you help me. What do you want? He's like, tell me your name. <laughs> and she, she's like, that, that's really all you want. I just want your name, girl. She tells him it's Amelia, and then his guts open up because. He didn't block enough. <laughs> I actually love... Well, no. So I love it because Reinhardt picks up the cl club, but only half of it. And they realized, oh, the club got cut in half. So then they look at Subaru and then his like uh, sweatshirt like just falls open at the gut. And then that's what his guts spill out. And then, yeah, the yep. blood. Uh, but there's enough magic users and healers there that Amelia is able to, to steal them. Yep. And Reinhardt... Is like, hey, okay, I guess I'll go. Hey, who's that little thief girl over there? Oh, I, I told, I know, I said um, I wasn't going to take anybody because he's like, I, I have to. I'm a cop, basically. I have to report this, but I'm off duty, so <laughs> like, yeah. being cool guy. Yeah. Uh, but then he sees this girl. And he's like, I know what I said, but I have to take. Well, her. she's holding that thing because she's giving it back to yeah. Amelia. And it's this glowing. little pendant, and it's glowing. Yeah. So he, he he takes her away, and Amelia's like, okay, I'm going to take Subaru back to the mansion I am staying at for what he's done for me. 
And that kind of ends this this first arc of the the loot house. Uh, any other quick thoughts on it before we keep going? No. Okay, okay. All right, mm-hmm. so he wakes up in a mansion, and the first thing he does is he wanders this mansion until he finds a library. And in this library is a little lowly girl with spring pigtails. Betty! She's her awesome. name is Beatrice, I suppose. <laughs> so what do you guys think of Beatrice? <laughs> She's adorable, and I love how she's so petulant and just always annoyed and always on the verge of just get out of here. I just want to read my books and be at peace in this library. And it's a cool, special library where it's like this, uh, this almost like a little pocket dimension where the doors are wherever you know she wants them to be, or she randomly assigns a door, and you just happen to walk through that door into there. Um, but well, Super just keeps she- doing it. Yeah, she's surprised. Like, he shouldn't be able to just walk in. But every time, he just walks in. <laughs> yeah, he just keeps popping in. And she keeps knocking him out. But I love how she's she's sort of got this um, bark is bigger than her bite most of the time. Because it takes a lot. She gives a lot of warnings, usually, before she will evict him forcefully or drain his mana or do some other terrible thing to get rid of him. Um, but she's always threatening him and, and it's, yeah, there's a lot of depth to her as a character. And in one of the, uh, in one of the storylines, we actually see just how much depth there is to her in one of the, uh, agreements that she makes with him. Um, I, I really, really like Beatrice as a character. She's cool. So from what I understand in this world, there's three, there's actually three different schools of magic. You've got the spirits, you've got the, um, the like shadow, and then you've got uh, like basically wizards, and uh, Beatrice falls into the wizard category. She doesn't use um, spirit magic, and we come to find out she is ex- what? Uh, from what I understood, Beatrice is another spirit. Like I thought, I thought she was too. Yeah. Oh, she, she is calls, a spirit. Yeah, she's a spirit. Okay, but yeah, yeah she's, she's super human. powerful. Like. Mm-hmm. That was my point, is that she's she's really powerful, yeah. and the fact that she could basically incinerate Subaru in a moment uh, makes yeah. this all the more hilarious, because when she does her little room switch thing, it has to attach to one of the doors in the mansion, and he keeps picking the right one. Yeah. So I think that's hilarious. But one thing I love about her is that she initially puts on this really gruff... Um, you know, personality for him, he breaks that personality so quickly, nearly every loop. And <laughs> she just, she always has that facade on, but she's got a soft spot for Subaru. And whether he's, uh, you know, uh, blackmailing her with the affection of another character yeah. or, or just being himself and helping her out uh, or asking for her help, she's, she always seems off put, but she's always willing to help him. And uh, something about him, you know, just kind of breaks through her her walls. And but besides that, yeah, she's a she's a wonderful character. I I, I really like her addition to the the story. And now for a quick look at what Jason thought in episode three. Absolutely, but I loved her. I, I loved her character. Um, I love her verbal tick. I love the attitude she gets. I love that, like you said, Subaru just kind of falls into this big brother role for her, like instantly every time she meets up. Even though she's so much older than he is. Yeah. yeah. Um, 
And, and I love that, like, her one thing she wants to do all day is play with the cat spirit. That's all she wants yeah. to do. And now for a quick look at what Troy thought in episode three. Trope. I'm gonna say she's tropey. Um, and yeah, she's, she's the guardian of this library. I don't think it's random coincidence he walks into her library whenever he wants. I think there's No, something. I don't think it's luck. I think it's oh, something okay. about his connection to the witch or something about Subaru has. Or she lets him. Is great. No, Maybe. I think even this first. Because she's like, you're not. How'd you do this? Oh, how, how did you walk through this door? There, It's like a yeah. shadow seal, she says, or something like that. She's like, yeah. how are you walking through this? He's like, I, I just walked through the door. Um, he, whatever spell she's using to hide her room, he breaks. Well, instantly. Rem said it has to be connected to one of the doors. You And you will find it. You just have to try every door in the mansion in order to find yeah, her. But again. she says there's a seal, too. And he just walks through oh. it. Oh. So, like, he could pick any door and just go through. I don't think so. I mean, I do think he, but, like, he always seems to know exactly where she is and gets to her whatever <laughs> he wants. That's true. Uh, anyway. Um, yeah, I think she's a great character, and I absolutely love when her pigtails get pulled. It's the best ever. In fact, it's a, it's our uh, thumbnail for our, one of our, at least one of our videos for ReZero, uh, the original. <laughs> All right, um... Yeah, so she drains his mana for not leaving, uh, which we find out later can be deadly, but she knocks him out here, and he wakes up, and there's two maids in his room, uh, a, a blue and twin sisters in maid outfits who are super cute. Uh, one is named Rem, and one is named Ram. Let's start with, let's start with Rem. What do you guys think of Rem, guys? Oh, you guys? mean Bay? Bay! Um. <laughs> <laughs> That's the only time you'll ever hear me say that word. <laughs> <laughs> Um, Rem is, uh, man, she is one of the most complicated characters in this story, and I love her for it. Um, she's got a deep, tragic backstory. Um, she's willing to put her life on the line at any moment for her, uh, you know, for the Lord of the uh, Manor. Um, she's got a soft heart. But she's also very quick to uh, end things decisively if needed. <laughs> or she feels it's needed. Um, and that she's she's got a berserk mode that it, it, to bring her out is nearly life-threatening. Um, yeah, she she's a fantastic addition to the story. And actually, I can't wait to watch her develop yeah. more in the next half of this season. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, the the real reason that I, I find Rem to be such a compelling character is because of what happens in the second half. Um, with this, I'm fond of her. I, I think she's a really fun, interesting character, and she's all the things that you said, Jason. Um, I also love the interplay between the two sisters. <laughs> I think it's absolutely adorable. Um, they know exactly what they're doing. Amelia even calls them out, and she's like, stop teasing Subaru. Because they're they're always blaming him. They're like they're standing there. They know they're being cute, and they're like he's having impure thoughts about us. <laughs> yeah, uh-huh. he violated Rem he in violated his thoughts. <laughs> yeah, and I just thought they were absolutely adorable, and uh, and so Rem was really entertaining in this. And how she's like she's so suspicious, and she's always watching him out of the corner of her eye, and you know, yeah. So she's just she's a really entertaining character for the first half for these thirteen episodes. Um, but she really, really comes into her own in the next, in the next half. My my favorite interaction is that one where, where they're like, 
Rem, he's violating your mind. Rem, <laughs> he's violating you and your mind. And he's like, guys, there's room enough for both of you in here. No <laughs> shit. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, okay, obviously, I'm not as fond of Rem as you guys are, but I do think she's absolutely a great character. Um, she's just not as much my cup of tea because she's more of a follower type. Um, but I absolutely love her relationship with her sister and how complicated that is. Uh, especially when they're like, oh, you're good at A, so she must be good at B. And she's like, no, I'm good at A and B. She's not good at anything. Uh, <laughs> but my sister is the best, which she, you know, adheres to. And, um, like you said, the, the fact that she has the, this grown, the fact that she wants to be her sister's shadow, but is so much her own unique character that she can't help herself. Um, it is fascinating to watch in these episodes. And I, I think she is a great character. I just love my little half elf. <laughs> um, I think I think probably my uh, affinity for her is that she's she's more available, and I think Amelia probably shouldn't be dabbling in romantic interests with her position in the world at the moment. Strongly disagree, Ram. What do you guys think of Ram? <laughs> Ram's great. Um, yeah. She's she's just as complicated, but for different reasons, even though they're twins. Um, and I love that she's she's weaker. She's based, you know, she's handicapped um, it, for, for her race um, and that she's uh, her relationship with Roswell is also fascinating. And I want to know so much more. And they don't touch on it, which I find frustrating and great at the same time like hey this is a thing that happens in this world you don't need to worry about it though because we're focused on these characters and it's like wait <laughs> hold on tell me more why does you know there's a lot of assumptions i can make like you know her her mana doesn't come back like rems because of her her handicap so he has to help her out with that i mean that that's a possibility but seems just so creepy, don't know <laughs> but it's yeah creepy, but she's yes. She's she seems just more overtly suspicious than Rem. Rem's just as suspicious as Ram of Subaru, but she's much more overt about it. But she seems she seems to have a softer spot, uh, especially when it comes to trying to fit it into this world, because she recognizes that he doesn't and that, you know, uh, she helps him read. She helps him learn how to do the things around the house. Um, she, you know, and she seems to be in charge as well, as far as like the, the household stuff. So, and now for a quick look at what Jason thought in episode. Um, I thought they were an outstanding, uh, addition to this cast. Uh, like you said, very tropey intro, uh, but end up with this amazingly deep backstory, uh, yeah, we really get an opportunity in one of the timelines. I think it's the first one, but it could be the second one to see him develop. I don't mean like the first or second timeline period, but from this save point onward right. um, <laughs> where we really get to see uh, what she's like when she's actually almost kind of developing a relationship with Subaru, not uh, any kind of like um, uh, emotional relationship, just a friend relationship. Um and essentially, I think it's in I think it's in the second one where where he's saying, you know, you should be more friendly to me. Or maybe that's the third one. And so she does. And it's it's really fascinating to see that. But, yeah, he tells a story 
to her and just her reaction to the story. They do so well. They did so well in showing the, the, the stopping of movement and how she's just, you know, she's going over all this. She's drawing the parallels in her mind, in her mind from what his story is and how it would affect her. And the fact that she could actually listen to something that it, by all rights, it could have upset her terribly because of its parallels to her past. She, she's got such a traumatic past and she's lost so much. Um, but instead of being so upset about it, she actually was more worried about how her sister would take it if she heard the same story. Um, and there's other times where she's just she's so much more friendly than Rem. And and I think that's because she's not believing that she has to protect as many people. Right. Like like she thinks she has to protect Roswell or she has loyalty to Roswell, but doesn't really see herself as protecting him. At least that's my interpretation of it. Whereas Rem sees herself as protecting Ram. As well as Roswell, because Roswell's important to Ram. No one can protect Roswell. <laughs> That's true. You, yep. you know how I see it? And, and, mm. and I, I say this from a, an absolute place of ignorance, so mm. keep that in mind. But I, I see it as like someone who lost a limb, right? And they just kind of learn how to deal with it. And, mm-hmm. you know, they, you know, say they're, they're missing an arm and they're like, hey, I just learned to do stuff with my other arm and I go about my life. And then there's someone who was involved in that. And they feel like they need to constantly make up for that or, or fix or help them. And they the feel responsible like, for it, too. Right. And the mm-hmm. other person's like, no, I've, I've dealt with it. I've moved on. And, yeah. and so Ram is just this more fully matured, fleshed out character than Ram who's trying to get there because she's been so held back by this event where Ram, I, you know, I don't think Ram's traumatized by it as much anymore. I think mm-hmm. she's like, hey, I lost my horn. Life goes on. I run this household. I have, you know, a master, a a purpose. She's good. And and I absolutely love how sassy she is. Um, uh, (laughs) You know, even in this in this first half, I know Rem's going to get a lot more character growth. So so you're right about that. But in this first half, I kind of like Rem more just because Mm -hmm. she's Mm -hmm. so up on it. She's she's in control of of her situation (laughs) and the way she calls him out. The, the Red Ogre story, which we'll talk about in a second that you're talking about, I, I love that scene. Um, yeah, I, I, and the fact she teaches him to read and write, she's, she's great in this half. And now for a quick look at what Troy thought in episode three. Again, my harem instincts are kicking in. Like, oh, no. Right. Yeah, I got to say, I remember in the first, uh, the first time we watched this, I wasn't actually very fond of Ram. I was kind of bored with her. But I... I'm in your boat completely this time. I'm actually more interested in Ram than than Ram at this point. Yeah. All right. So yeah, he wakes up with these two maids, uh, and after some pleasantries are exchanged, Amelia shows up, and he's all like, "Oh, now I feel better. Amelia's here." And they go hang out in the yard and do warm ups, stretches, uh, and then they're called to meet the Lord of the Manor, Roswell, who Subaru is like, "Hey, good thing you hired this clown." To come entertain the guy, and the clown's like, "No, I, I am Roswell, idiot." Um, yeah. <laughs> uh, Roswell is a character. I uh, just uh, we're running a l- little bit low on time, so yeah, just yeah. really quick for each of us. But for me, I love him that he like he's a he feels like a villain to me, but he's on the good guy team, and, and that's so fascinating. And like you said, that scene between him and Ram is both creepy, or him and yeah. Ram is creepy, but. Is it? I don't know fully their relationship. I, he's a fascinating character. He's so fascinating. Yeah, because yep. he got them when they were just children. So, and, and when I say children, I mean like very young. 
But um, I think Roswell, there's a couple scenes because I was watching him very closely because something about him ticked me to where I was like, you know what? I really like this character because you're right. You just don't know what team he's on because he, he's definitely on team Roswell. Let's put it that way. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because he's got his he's he's made it very clear that he's got his own agenda. And I missed that the first time. I didn't realize just how much of his own agenda that he's got because these different scenarios where you would think, oh, Roswell's going to be pissed. And he smirks or he kind of goes along with it or he even encourages it. Like later when uh, they're at the selection uh, he, sh- you know, super shows like, up and he just smirks. This, this and he's super like, showing up is going to be helpful to me, <laughs> right? Yeah. Right? Like, th- like this is perfect. So, um, <laughs> and also, you know, he's called out as what the most powerful mage, yes, in the in Lagunica. So, yeah, yeah it, the fact that he's, you know, just absolutely dominating when in when it comes to magic users, um, but he rarely ever shows that in this anime. Uh, he he again. He's just another character that could have his own anime. Um, yeah, yeah. I, I'm fascinated with this character. I hope he shows up more in the second season. Yeah, same boat. I have nothing new to add. All right. Um, when they officially talk, they talk about the status of the kingdom, and we basically learn the royal family has disappeared, and they're looking for a new ruler, and that's what's going on with Amelia. She is one of the contestants or, or candidates to become this new ruler. And every faction is kind of uneasy with the other factions, and Roswell has backed the the Amelia faction. Um, Subaru requests a reward for all his service. Then he's like, "Oh well, if I help so much, I I need a reward." He's like, "What do you want?" He's like, "Let me work here." Uh, so he becomes the, a butler and joins the maids. They give him a tour. He gets a uniform. He really sucks at his job. He's cutting <laughs> his hands all the time. He, um, but he likes it. He's happy. And after a talk under the, the moon with Amelia, um, he gets her to agree to go on a date. And he's like, oh, my gosh, this is perfect. And he goes to bed that night after saying goodnight to Betty. And then he wakes up the next morning, not in his room, but in the original room with the two maids standing over him. Um, and he realizes, oh, my God, I re- I rewound by death again. Yep. This is literally <laughs> my favorite scene because he looks at his hands. He's like. Where's the cuts from cutting myself from yesterday? And this just dread goes over him of, I, I died. I reset. Why? What happened? Oh, my God. I just went to bed. Yep. Now, he's very upset about this, obviously. But when he sees Amelia, he kind of, like, plucks himself up. He's like, that's fine. I'll just do it all over again. <laughs> you know, like, whatever. <laughs> um, this is This is like you were saying, Jason, when you wind up going back to a save that it's been so long, and you're like, all right, all right, I screwed up, but I can handle this. I'm going to do this. This is It's so perfectly matched. Like yep. You get that, that moment of determination. I can do it one more time. Uh, this time, when he asked to be a, tour, uh, uh, a butler, they don't give him a tour. They give him a bath, and Roswell joins him in the bath and makes him very <laughs> uncomfortable. <laughs> yeah. And, and guys, this, this is important. Why does events happen differently in these time rewinds? And, and I like, think, I think well, you're I was, right about like the butterfly wing thing because it, it very much the butterfly effect where Roswell is so cunning and everybody else there is reading signals. There's so much more going on than just like, hey, you meant the same thing, right? So if Subaru could come to the same situation, but 
you know, his interaction was slightly different with Rem and Rem at the beginning. It was slightly different with Amelia at the beginning. It was the same general direction. But then when he got to the table, he may have intoned things differently. He may have used different words spoken in a different sentence. This could send all kinds of different signals to Roswell, to Rem and Ram. And so they decide, oh, okay, rather, he doesn't seem as innocent. He seems like he knows something. He seems a little bit too comfortable, like a little more suspicious. Yeah, suspicious. So we're going to send him over here instead. No, I, I I completely agree because when he wakes up, the the girls are scared of him instead of making fun of him, and uh, that yeah, they're they're much more suspicious this time around because you know, and that that plays a big part in these time loops is that he doesn't really realize the danger he's in being in the mansion no. <laughs> because <laughs> these factions are fighting for control and Amelia's life is on the line every moment that is before this confirmation and because everyone's so high on guard him being from another country uh is super dangerous to him and he has no he's just completely oblivious to that fact i agree and that's probably it but you disagree no (laughs) i i just i i just want to say maybe in season two i'll end up being right I have a suspicion there's something more to it than that. You think the like witch is random generation coming witch? I literally have no idea, and I didn't even oh, okay. think of it until we get to the timeline where Roswell goes on a business trip, and I was like, "Why the hell on day three does he suddenly go on a business trip?" That, yeah, that was, was weird. Weird. That yeah. was weird. But um, didn't they go to the village sooner? Or they they did something very different. Like he did something very different in the beginning of that. But why would it change an external issue? Unless yeah. something informed that external issue. And then the question is, does Roswell have any connection to Satella? Right. right. And, yeah. and Butterfly, you know, the Butterfly effect definitely explains it. Maybe he was just being acting so differently, Roswell's like, okay, I'm going to take these steps. That definitely can explain it. Um, so I, I'm, not, I'm not even theorizing at this point. I just, something inside me is saying, that's odd. Mm-hmm, time mm-hmm. looping but things aren't repeating quite right and he he calls it up multiple times like wait why is this different this time and there, there doesn't seem to be accidents in this world or in the storytelling which the storytelling is very tight mm-hmm. and i think you've got a good a good idea there troy okay so after the bath um ram decides to teach him how to read and write uh so he starts because because he can speak he speaks the same language as them but he does not understand the words um the, the, so he's illiterate here um and then there's a cool conversation about them cutting his hair um and he does some research with uh rem in the village to get ready for a date with amelia because he wants to ask her again that's the whole goal like i need to get to my date i had a date lined up time reset i'm gonna get back to that um and then when the night of the fourth night comes again, this time he's like, oh, I'll just stay awake. I won't fall asleep, so I won't reset. Oh, God. Uh, except for he gets <laughs> really really sick this time. And he starts running around the mansion in the middle of the night looking for vomiting. help. Vomiting blood. No, there's a green goo. Yeah, oh, there's a green goo. I thought it was blood. Oh, um, there's a lot of blood later. Okay. <laughs> uh, but no, he doesn't vomit blood. And instead of finding help, all he hears is the rattle of chains and his arm is suddenly taken off. And 
and he's mur- he's he's executed. Um, he looks killed. up and his arms up above him in a chandelier. In <laughs> a chandelier. Yes. This like we talked about the psychological horror. This moment is like this is a horror anime. I am in a horror, yeah. horror anime <laughs> in this moment. Like when, yes. when you're looking up and like my arm, my yeah. arm. <laughs> uh-huh. Uh But he wakes up again um, with Ram and Rem. Um, he goes back to the library. He gets thrown out. He lands in manure and he spends some time with Amelia and Puck, who give him a bath. Um, then he gets to meet with Roswell, and this time he asks to be a house guest. Uh, which you know he's been called out like, "Why are you just asking to be a house guest forever?" He's like, "Oh yeah, that probably would have made a lot more sense." Uh, this and then time everyone teases like, him for being a freeloader. Yeah, and then yeah. he asks to be a, a guest, and they're like, "Oh, what a loser." Um, uh, <laughs> instead, so he spends his time investigating. He's snooping around the house. Worst to... possible thing you could do. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, he's so suspicious. Uh, he oh. asks Beatrice about spells that can kill people. Um, she tells him about mana drains and how they can be deadly. Um, he he has tea with Ram at one point, and this is where the tale of the Red Ogre basically he tells her a Japanese fairy tale about two ogres, and they have a uh, very nice discussion about it. Very much parallels for the twin sisters, right? Is what you guys getting from yeah, that? Yeah. Yep. yeah. Um, they discuss the dragon that protects the kingdom. So ever since the king disappeared, the dragon has been, you know, basically been protecting the kingdom. The dragon's supposed There's to be There's some sort the of covenant that is made. With yeah, the yeah. Right? The contract with the dragon, eventually he'll stop, but he's, he's guarding everyone at the moment and we so he's been guarding them since the witch was imprisoned right he is one of the ones who imprisoned the witch too with a mm-hmm. warrior and a sage mm-hmm. but not everyone likes the rule of the dragon huh. apparently <laughs> yeah at least not roswell <laughs> yeah um so uh on the the end of the fourth day he subaru is like okay guys i'm gonna head back out and make make my way in the world on my own he grabs his backpack and then he says goodbye to everybody and he climbs up into onto a mountain and he's like, okay, from here I can see the mansion. I'm going to figure out what the heck's going on. So he's watching and he hears the, the chain and he's attacked and he draws the enemy out eventually after some fighting and it's Rem herself with a giant flail. <laughs> yep. A fallen chain that she, uh, uh, and he's like, he, he's like, ah, he gets away from her, and then she takes his leg off, and then she tortures him for information. She, and basically, because he's been acting so weird around the house, she's decided, screw it, I'm going to kill him. He smells like the witch. Um, so so she tortures him. She's like, "What? Do you, who do you work for? What faction are you from? And he's like, i just trying to help. And he actually like freaks out and yells at her like, yeah. why don't you people remember everything that happens? Yep, and then Ram kills him. Does she? I got I got yeah. confirmation that yes that that slice that happens at his neck that's Ram's wind magic. So yep. they were both oh. sent to kill him. They must have both. I bet you Roswell sent them both because she did. We had that scene where Ram was sitting on his lap and and he's like, does he look suspicious? Yeah, I think he is suspicious. We need to watch this one. Uh, okay, so that's that happens in the first timeline, and she says, no, he's a freaking idiot. Yep. Yeah, and then <laughs> it happens in the last timeline happens, it doesn't we don't doesn't we don't see it in this uh but uh-huh. but like but he is definitely being suspicious yeah. like we said he's investigating yeah. he's poking his nose in this stuff yeah. um 
and again, this is a guy who this is literally mm-hmm. a guy who showed up yesterday out of the blue, who knows exactly who Amelia is magically and helps her, and yep. it, it kind of makes sense. Like, oh yeah, of course they think he's a a spy assassin yep. bad guy. But from uh, his perspective, it's so well done. From his perspective, you still feel everything where he's like, I liked you. I didn't get my hair cut. I just, I really like. <laughs> <laughs> like oh, hey, he's, he's befriended these guys multiple times and then realized that every time he befriended them, all they thought was villain. There's a villain yeah. in our man. And that, yep. that like breaks his heart while he's being murdered. <laughs> it's so yep. hard. Um, <laughs> Uh, so yeah, he he wakes up again, um, and this time he decides, okay, I'm just gonna tell Amelia what's going on. It is a little odd to me that he waited so long. I didn't realize uh, watching this again. That, man, he waits a long time to tell anybody, uh, but he does. Yeah, he decides to tell her, except for he can't. Literally, part of the curse is he, if he tries the hands of the witch or this dark these black hands come out of nowhere. Nowhere and grab his chest and hurt him so bad that he can't speak. He cannot tell people about his power. So in the dub, he specifically said there was no pain. My heart and my organs feel fine. My limbs are fine. I don't have any abrasions. But the fear is palpable. So this time he goes to Beatrice and asks her if. Well, she actually, she comes to check on him because he was freaking out so bad. He wouldn't get out of bed for like a day. And he asked her to protect him for the, his entire time there. And she actually makes a contract with him that she will. Uh, so on the fourth night, uh, she, he, he falls asleep in his room and she comes and gets him and takes him to the library to protect him. And he spends the whole night there reading with her. Eventually, she's summoned away. And so he pokes his head out. And he realizes it's morning. He's like, oh, my God, I did survive. He comes out, and Amelia's there, and she's like, I need to show you. And she takes him to Rem's room, and Rem is dead. Uh, she has died from whatever was cursing him the first night and the second night. And everyone's like, hey, mysterious stranger who just showed up, and now suddenly <laughs> the blue hair maid is dead. Uh, you want to tell us something? Um and they start getting like aggressive with him. Like at one point, Roswell just like makes all these orbs in his hands. Like I'm just gonna blow him to hell. Yeah. <laughs> and and Beatrice is trying to protect him. Yeah. And, and he freaks out and he runs away and he runs out into the woods. And Beatrice shows up and she's like, "I'll help you escape." And he's like, "Why are you helping me? The contract is over." She's like, "No, that's not how it works." Basically. She's, she's she's trying to be cool, but she she's uh, he's a friend. She wants to help him. Yeah, and she actually made it so that the contract wouldn't have an end date because she could have because he he offered that, but she didn't specify it in the contract. And then Ram shows up, angry, ready to kill him, and she's like, "Beatrice, I will I will kill you to get, get to him. You're not in your library. You're not as powerful as you you know you usually are." Um, and he has this memory flashback of the twin sisters holding his hand while he was sleeping in the bed. And he's like, they're not bad people. And I don't want Rem to have died. And this is the scene where he pulls Beatrice's pigtails, which was our yes. thumbnail. So I love that. I saw that. that, that and awesome. I was like, oh, I love that. Yeah. Um, and then so, he... a little context, though, because before Beatrice finds him, he 
goes to attempt suicide and he can't do it. Like he runs to this cliff and he starts berating himself because he's like, I can't even take one more step. I can't do anything good. Like he's just so down on himself. So that kind of made this particular scene a little more impactful. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, and then he does jump off the cliff after uh, pulling the pigtails and to save Rem. And again, he also doesn't know if it'll work this time. He's never died this many times before. This is going to be new. Um, but he, so he commits suicide and he does wake up and he grabs the, the maid's hands, the sister's hands. He's like, yeah, that definitely, yep, I remembered right. They held my hands. And then he uh, basically becomes the most positive, helpful guy you can you can imagine. And he goes to he talks with Puck and he learns about. Hang on one second, because this is another pivotal point where there's an if story. And the if story is what if he did leave and, and Beatrice helped him escape? And what winds up happening is he gets away, but Ram catches up to him, tries to strangle him, and then he kills her. No! And then the story goes on. Yeah. Well. Yep. Uh, we see him learn about how to use magic from Puck. And he, he he's like, what am I, a fire user, a water user? Because everyone's in elemental here. She's like, or he's like, you're a darkness user. You can basically do debuffs. Um, just his spells. And he learns a blinding spell called Shamic. Uh, but when he uses it, because he doesn't have control of his mana gate, because he's not a magic user, it basically just uses all his magic at once and makes the spell huge um, and gets everyone dirty. So, um, correct me. So uh, Puck uses it on him to show him what it's like. Does he see remnants of the witch when he does that to him? It didn't seem that way. He freaks out because he sees some weird artifacts in in the shadow. I thought he just saw his hands. Well, what it looked like to me was that Puck was reacting because he didn't expect Subaru to have absolutely no experience with his gate. And so when uh, Subaru uh, had never used his gate and the gate was just opened. uh-huh. Jason's talking about when Puck uses the spell and Subaru is blind. Oh, no, I don't think that Puck saw anything there. I think Subaru no, 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 saw no, I'm it. talking about Subaru. Yeah, Subaru it, so saw So it looked like Subaru stood up. He looked at his hands. He was like, wow, I, I can't see anything. And then it looks like he sees some remnants of really scary crap. And he goes, like, kind of wandering off, like, yeah. uh, help me, help me. Yeah. No, that yeah, was definitely so I'm wondering, happened. did yeah, he see Subaru. something in the shadow he wasn't supposed to? He saw that the witch was on him, which, I mean, they talked about already that there's the smell of the witch on him. Right. And I think he saw it when he was blinded so by Shamrock. he Shemar. can see it when he's in the blindness, then. I think so. To be fair, sometimes I have to look down to write these notes. <laughs> <laughs> and I missed that. that definitely <gasps> I just thought you said Puck, so I was confused. <laughs> Alright, um... And then we have the scene uh, where Ram reports to Roswell, again, that, yeah, he is kind of suspicious this time. Mm-hmm. Um, he asked Beatrice about shamans and spells curses um, specifically right curses uh not yet i think that's a little bit later okay. um and puck mentions to amelia that he's not doing as well as he's pretending to be doing and we see him basically going about his butler duties he's like i'm super awesome everything is super great i'm super helpful you should all love me blah blah, blah. 
And then he shows him like vomiting in the bathroom. Like he's so stressed out that it's having physical reactions to him. And he's like, oh man, no, 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 no. get it together, get it together. Uh, and eventually Amelia comes to him and is like, lay down. And he had mentioned earlier about wanting to put his head in her lap as a joke. And she makes him do that. Um, she's like, I know you're not going to tell me about it, but man, you've had a rough time of it. And he starts crying and he starts wailing about like, I try so hard. I wanted it to be nice to you guys. And I mean, I was doing it for myself. I felt so pathetic and just letting it all come out. And man, this scene, like it didn't, I don't think it did the first time. This, this time I was like, wow, that hits hard. That, that mm-hmm. feeling, that mm-hmm. feeling resonates so strongly through this scene. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and this is also a very pivotal moment in changing his fate because Rem comes in and sees him and she's like, well, yeah, he actually looks kind of cute like that. And Amelia looks at Rem and goes, He's a good boy. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, I, I do think that is what saves him from Rem in this. I think you're right. Iteration, this moment. Yeah. Uh, now, I still, I remember we talked about this the first time through, and I still am really uncomfortable with some of the things that Amelia said. Like, some of the things she said sound so suspiciously like she knows more then she's letting on and nothing else she ever does indicates that everything else she ever does contradicts that theory but the way she says some of the things and maybe it's just because she's comforting him but the way she says it the tone she says it in and and the things she says about like you've had it rough up till now i know it'll be easier on you from here on or something like that it's just it's so creepy it's like is this Amelia or is this Satella? like i don't know what's going on right now and it never surfaces again I don't see anything more like this. I don't even remember it coming up again during the second half of this season. But this scene also scared me for that reason. I'm like, mm-hmm. you're disturbing my view of, of what who Amelia is. The, the animation of him squirming around while he's crying is so visceral. It, yeah. Yeah. Wow, this scene was so good. Mm-hmm. Alright, um, afterward is when he goes to Beatrice and he asks for help with the curse. And he learns that curses require physical contact. So he realizes, okay, uh, it's got to be someone from the village because that's where all of this physical t- contact happens on the on the fourth day. So interesting thing I caught because the Beatrice used the word shaman and a curse had to be a physical touch. He assumed that shaman equals person. Yeah, and I and I think that's just from video game lore that he, he made that assumption and that connection. Mm-hmm. So he convinces. Uh, Rem and Ram to go shopping a day early on the third day and they go to the village and he leads the village in calisthenics and um, he gets every single person in the village to touch him in a unique place and then um, he goes over with the children (laughs) this this puppy uh, and the puppy bites him because the puppy always bites him every time he's visited this village and all the different timelines and then he goes back home and he asks Beatrice to Look for the curse, because she said before it activates, she can remove it. So, and, and she's like, okay, I'll, and I'll even figure out where it's located so he'll know who it is. And it's the dog bite. And he's like, oh, my God, every time that dog has bit me, that makes sense. Um, and then he tells Ram and Ram about what's going on. He's like, we have to get back to the village. That dog was around those children. They're in danger. Um, and Ram tells Ram to go with them. They don't tell him. Because Roswell was, left, right? Ro- yeah. yeah, Roswell left on his business trip. He flies off like Superman. Yes, <laughs> literally. Uh, and Amelia gives him a prayer. I don't think she knows why he's going, though. Like, keep it. 
keep it from her, right? So she won't get involved. Yeah, he wants her to stay home. And then so him and Rem go, they, they get to the village. They realize the barrier that protects the village from what's called Ma Beast, which are – the Ma Beast we're dealing with here are like giant dogs, but it basically means monsters. They're, they're spawns of the witch, right? Mm-hmm. Creatures – Or tainted by her. Yeah, basically. Yeah. Um, so they go out into the woods. At first, she's like, you know, who cares about these kids? We need to protect the village. And he's like – he names every kid and like what their wish is. He's like, you know, I know these kids. Uh, and they go out and they find the kids on this hill and they start taking care of them. She starts healing them. And he's like, I'll stand here <laughs> and be lookout because he's of no use. Now, it's really interesting, though, because one of the little girls is like, there was another kid with us. And he's already named every single kid. Um, and, mm-hmm. and he's like, oh, but there's one more kid. And I was like, that's not a red flag for anyone that there's a right. mysterious kid. Yeah. That when you just went in so much detail about every kid, but he's like, I'm going to go find the last kid by myself. And she's like, that's crazy. And she, he tells her, I believe that the villagers will show up and you'll come help me. And he promises, like, we'll have, I know you have a lot of questions for me. I have a lot of questions for you. We will sit down and talk once this is all over. Even make sure I know you smell the witch on me. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, basically, putting all the cards on the table in their relationship, which she obviously um, likes. And so he goes off. He does find her. He gets attacked by a mob beast. He manages to kill it by slamming it into a log branch and stabbing it. Such a cool scene. Uh, and the rest of the a bunch of more mob beasts show up and attack him. And Rem shows up and saves him. The villagers found the children, so she came to help. Uh, he takes the little girl, and they run away. <laughs> the little puppy is like the leader of the mobbies and has ground earth powers um, to make <laughs> rock slides. Uh, while they're running, Rem gets really hurt. Uh, and then she saves him from one of these rock slides and gets very badly hurt. But then she goes into berserker mode where a horn grows out of her head. And she just starts slaughtering the dogs. Uh, but she's almost hit by an attack and he saves her. And she doesn't help him get out of the way because she hesitates. And so he gets hurt very badly. Mm-hmm. Um, and he gets bitten a lot. Like they just <clears throat> chomp him to bits. And he's got all kinds of new dog scars. Yep. Uh, so he wakes up. Yeah, and he's covered in scars. Uh, but Amelia's there. And they, he learns all the kids are safe. All their curses have been removed. Except one oh. kid's missing. <laughs> we, we don't. I don't think we know that yet. But yeah. Oh, okay. One kid's missing. Little purple uh, hair. And he sees Ram, and she feeds him, and everyone's safe. And then Beatrice comes to him, and is like, "Yeah, there's so many curses on you. Your tote's gonna die in like half a day." And she explains that the, what the curse is is that it's how they feed. They suck up your mana. Basically, it links their mana to them, and then after some time, they just suck you dry, and you die. Uh, and then Ram's there, and they all realize that Rem left. She went to the woods to kill these by himself. So they all go out together. Uh, Ram and Subaru go after her. <laughs> and he's, she, she's like, I can fight a little bit. He's like, well, I can't fight at all. And, they, and the village gives him a sword, and the kids all give him some gifts. They go out into the forest. They get, get in a fight. He starts a fight by using – he's like, I'm going to tell you about my power. And then the, the scent of the witch grows, so the mob beasts attack them. Uh-huh. His plan is, if the mob beasts are attacking us and Rem's attacking the mob beasts, it makes sense. You know, I'll, I She'll bring one to, to me, the other will come. Yep. 
Uh, and then the next scene is literally him carrying Ram and running away. He's like, I thought you were good at fighting. She's like, I was good at fighting for a little bit. <laughs> uh, and they end up falling off a cliff and barely manage to, to survive thanks to her magic. But she passes out and then Ram catches up with them and the mob beast. And she's still in berserker mode and attacks him and the mob beast. Um, he, he, he's like, I'm gonna do something brave and call out to her and he yells at her. And like, her and the mobbies turn on him and start screaming at him. He's like, oh, well, that was a mistake. <laughs> 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 Ram wakes up and is like, you gotta hit her horn. And he throws Ram at her <laughs> and misses, but he gets launched into the air from the little puppy's attack. And when he comes down, he hits her on the head. Um, in the next episode, we get the flashback of Ram and Ram's story. We won't have time to go into it. Basically, Ram had, they both had a horn. You're not supposed to have one horn demons, but twins separate the horn. But Ram was so powerful, they got to live until evil cultists showed up and murdered everybody, uh, cause they're demons. And <laughs> Ram's horn got cut off. So now Ram does her best to make up for her powerful sister, who was supposed to be the great one. And now Ram's like the shadow that remains. Yep. Okay. Well done. Um, Very quick summarization. Ram wakes up. She's being carried by Subaru. His arm's dislocated. Um, and and they're, they basically hide in a bush while the, the mob beast are looking for him. And he tells them, like, you guys go. I got this. I'm going to go distract him. Um, so they run away in one direction. And Rem's, like, freaking out about it. She doesn't want him to die. He rushes up to the little puppy. It turns into a giant beast. Yeah. And you know what? It's as as worthless as he is in this world. This was a really cool anime moment. He does the 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 darkness Shut spell, um, and then stabs it in the throat with the broken sword, which, which isn't does good. nothing. But it's it does awesome. nothing. It knocks him down, <laughs> and he's like, "Oh, freaking die!" He tries stabbing it more times. Nothing happens. And then this giant fireball comes out of the sky, kills it, and Roswell shows up. He's like, "Sup." Uh, got here time and he kills all the mob beast and he's like you guys did a great job protecting the village you know doing I'm very proud of all you guys and they're all happy um one quick thing um it was day four when he got bit by the dog and the kids were still there this is day three and at the end of day three the kids were taken into the woods Mm -hmm. so they wouldn't have been there on day four for him to find Mm-hmm. Are you saying they died every time in the other? Time no, lives? what I'm saying is, oh. is that the the mob beasts stealing the kids was triggered by him showing up in the village. Didn't matter what day he went to the village. Mm-hmm. It was always a trap to get him. It was always a trap to bite Subaru, or to bite somebody from the mansion yeah, because they, they bought Rem too. They bit Rem. Oh, you know what? Yeah, yeah. Um, and there is that purple haired girl that's there and she disappears. Right. Right. The, and the, she is important. Yeah. <laughs> Very important. <laughs> um, oh, yeah. Then he has a conversation with Rem and he, and he basically tells her, who cares if your sister doesn't have a horn? <laughs> In a very nice way. Yeah. Get over it. It's very yeah, pep talky. Like you, yeah. UBU. Uh, uh, basically, this is the moment she she falls in love with him. Um, yep, forever. Um, and then we get a, that that very creepy scene: Roswell and Ram discussing 
what happened and him applying mana to where her horn used to be and him saying, like, I'm going to kill that dragon. Um, yeah. <laughs> um, and then Amelia uh, agrees to go on a date with him. Uh, and then the next two episodes. So, <laughs> basically, they say goodbye to the village. They're going back to town. The selection process is, is going to happen. Subaru is like, let me go. And they're like, all right. He makes the excuse like, I have to thank people for that whole loot house incident. So I should get to go, too. And they're like, all right, you can go. And, you see know, Amelia. Yep. Mm-hmm. Uh, yep. And, yeah. And yeah. <laughs> Felix is at the manor. Uh, we meet Felix, um, who is a cat girl boy, yep. <laughs> um, but also a, like the most powerful water user in the kingdom. Mm-hmm. Um, and the and, Knight of Lagunia. Lagunica. Yep. And, and his yep. driver <laughs> is Wilhelm, who isn't important right now, but I don't really remember how important he is in the second season. Or he, we learned, I know we learned his backstory, and I can't remember it exactly, but when I saw him, the resonance of the, uh, the emotions I felt from his backstory hit me, and I got uber excited. I'm like, Wilhelm! Why do I like Wilhelm? I don't know, but I love him! <laughs> I can't wait for cry, uh, Troy to cry next season. Or next I know! Season. <laughs> I know. Next yep. It's gonna happen. It will. Um, <laughs> uh, they go back, so they go back to the city. Uh, he buys appas from the vendor. Uh, they run into a knight named Julius and he gets super jealous of him and he acts like a jerk. Yep. Uh, then he, she's like, stay outside. I'm going to go to this, this meeting. And he runs into this red dressed woman and the three muggers. And he's like, Hey, I'm going to help you. And she's like, yeah, no, he's like, it's two on three. She's like, it's one on one on three. <laughs> <laughs> I'll fight you all. Uh, and her whole thing. She's always saying is like, this world is meant to benefit me. Yep. Yeah. So nothing bad can happen to her. And she has a knight who dresses weird, um, <laughs> who shows up with Amelia. And Amelia is obviously uncomfortable around her because she's also, we find out later, she's another candidate. Everyone um, knows Appas are white. <laughs> yeah, he's like, Appas are white. He's like, that's when they're peeled. You've never seen one that's not peeled? Uh, um. But basically, what what what's set up in this episode is that there is going to be a all the candidates for ruling the kingdom are going to be met in front of a council with the knights and and everyone there. And uh, Super is like, I want to go. And they're like, No. And Amelia's like, No. I'm asking you as a favor to me because you're not healed, and I know you will do something crazy. <laughs> Stay here. And he's like, All right. And then she leaves. And then he's like, Rem. Help me get out of here. <laughs> and he goes, and he ends up hitching, by coincidence, hitching a ride with this, um, her name is Al? Wasn't Priscilla, it Priscilla? Yep. Yeah. Al One of the most night. heartbreaking parts of that was she says, give me a reason to trust you. Yep. And yeah. I was just like, oh, it hurts. It hurts so bad. Mm-hmm. Well, um, and then, I mean, it makes perfect sense, too, because, like, he just showed up at the manor. He keeps getting involved in everything. Sure, he's always coming through, but now when it comes time for her to actually go do her thing that he has nothing to do with, she's asking him to do certain things and behave a certain way, and he's just outright refusing and going around her. She tells yeah. him to stay, stay with, stay there in the alley, and instead he goes into this, in, to stay there at the square, and instead he goes into the alley to where Priscilla's even able to say, oh yeah, my knight, 
he stayed where I told him to stay. That's why you found him. It's like rubbing it in. So Subaru is just embarrassing her everywhere. Yep. One of the things that really resonated with me this time is how little she knows him yeah. through this whole thing. Like, in her mind, he just shows up at the loot house randomly, says he knows her. They've had three or four conversations and now a date <laughs> that she doesn't even know what that is. You know, in his mind, she saved my life. We've been through hell together. Um, but to her, it's like, I still don't know what you are, dude. <laughs> yep. Uh, okay, so he shows up at this this thing. Uh, she's, she's like, what are you doing here? He's like, oh, I know you said not to come, but you totally need me to help. I'm the helper guy. And Roswell's <laughs> like, this is going to be amazing. Yeah, Roswell's <laughs> yeah. like, yes. Uh, he has not go stand over with the knights. Um, the other candidates show up, and they're basically all the knights are, are that are supporting them are there. So, um, and Reinhardt's there. He's like, "Hey, what's up, man? It's good to see you." And Reinhardt's like, "Hey, before we start, remember how you guys told me to find the fifth candidate that we need to get this thing started?" Dun 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 dun. dun. Introducing Felt. Um, who totally and, wants to be there. Yeah. <laughs> she is like, I hate all of you. I don't want to do this. And, and like the, the, the rich people in the, in the crowd are like, good, get rid of her. We don't want her here anyway. <laughs> um, I mean, a lot of stuff happens. But basically, when Amelia is introduced, one of the wise men starts like, dude, a half elf that looks like the witch. Uh, Nazis up in here. <laughs> yep, yep. And uh, Subaru uh, does not take kindly to those words and like jumps up and is like, you're all idiots. You don't know what you're talking about. And I'm her knight. And man, there is a room full of actual knights there. And that Julius guy who's been getting dirty looks from Subaru the whole time. He hasn't really done anything. I was about um, to say, completely undeserved. Like, right, if yeah. you look back at these scenes, like, Julius is just being knightly, and Subaru is <laughs> just like, rubber, rubber. you're my rival. Yeah. You're, you're my romantic rival. Yeah. Um, these uh, are those moments where Subaru is showing the qualities that, you know, the sin qualities. Yeah. Uh, Julius basically humiliates him in front of the knights, like, basically they have a conversation about what knights mean and stuff, and eventually he says, if you're so good... If you're such a great knight, why does her face look like that? And she is pissed. And, and she grabs Subaru and she pulls him out of the room and she's like, he is not. She tells the whole room she is not associated with me. And she kicks him out. Um, and then the other knights come and like talk to him. And, and they're like, hey, buddy, it's all right. And then Julius is like, hey, let's go over to that training compound and let's fight. And yeah. uh, he beats the crap out of. Uh, a Subaru. And meanwhile, Felt, uh, old man Rom tries to rescue Felt from this thing and, and they're like, we're going to kill him. And she's like, don't. She's like, well, you're not a candidate for royalty, so we don't have to listen to you. She's like, okay, then I am a candidate for royalty. And when I win, I'm going to freaking burn this whole place down because I don't like how this world works. Um, so she's going to save old man Rom. The council is interrupted by a knight who runs in and is like, hey, guys, there's a fight. <laughs> Subaru's getting yeah. his butt whipped. Uh, and, and Amelia's like, we need to stop this. And everyone else is like, eh, kind of feel like he had it coming. But kinda I makes love sense. how but, everyone was like, you, could, if he's not going to die, you could have just told us who won. Yeah, 
Yeah. <laughs> <It felt. laughs> uh, Amelia goes to stop it. Um, and he uses the, the darkness spell. Even his face is all swollen. He's got the bucket, uh, but he uses the darkness spell. And Julius just swings it away and then beats him. And then we get the really great scene of Amelia by his bedside and having an argument with him. She's like, you keep saying you're doing this stuff for me, but it, I'm just your excuse. You do this stuff for you, and it's making things harder for me, and you're hurting yourself, and I'm starting to care about you, and I'm watching you hurt yourself over and over for your own selfish reasons, and then you use me as an escape goat, and it's very clear that like this is not okay. Um and he gets real nasty in this fight. Like he, he he's telling her like I wish I could tell you, and she's like, why can't you tell me? That doesn't make any sense. I love the line, the me inside your head must just be so amazing. Yeah. Oh, that's so just uh, stabbed to the heart. <laughs> right. Yeah. I may have heard that line in my own real life and real <laughs> arguments, and I was like. God dang, okay, yeah, okay, I get that. Um, and, and then he, like, he starts ranting, like, you freaking owe me, I've saved you, like, clearly not being heroic. Like, he is playing yep. his desperation. last desperation, right? He, he, being a total, and he even knows it, like, you can see it in his face. It's hurting him to say this, but he's so desperate to, to keep her. Um, and, you know, you owe me, he's like, you're, you're right, I do owe you, and the only way to protect you is this is over. And I'm going back to the mansion, and you can just stay here and get healed, and that and um, and she walks out, and that is how these episodes end. Uh, I thought this fight was phenomenal, and the first time we watched it, I was excited for it. The second time, it is the most realistic couple having a fight in an anime I've ever seen, even though they're not even really a couple. Yep. Okay, other thoughts? I I can't wait for the second half. <laughs> I'm, yeah i'm just I'm, I'm jacked because like you you basically said it all uh this scene was amazing and there, there's some small details in the selection process but uh they're not really important to this part of the story yeah i can't I, I wait did... to see more of the other characters come out especially the other selection candidates because we do get some time with them too and we get to learn who they are and what their interests are and and they're all very well fleshed out too yeah, I very much left them out um, just because at this point they're basically just candidates. And we start to see a little bit of each of their personality, um, but we don't really have time to get into it at this moment. Um, so let's go to our final reviews for our 100th episode. What did you guys think of ReZero 1 through 13 for the second time? Uh, I give it a 5. And if I gave it a 5 last time, uh, I stick with it. It's, uh, yeah, uh, absolutely enjoyed it and the strongest part of this is the characters the the characters make this world happen even though there's a whole other world going on which they do a great job showing um yeah five for me and now for a quick look at what jason thought in episode three the the story is engaging uh the characters are not only interesting uh but you fall in love with them and you you genuinely care about just about every single character at least every main character um, and I, I think, like Jason said, the world, also the just how tightly the story is written. Um, it's so much is packed into every scene and and every timeline that he goes through, every reset. So many things happen, even when it's a reset where he just spends the entire thing in a catatonic state, basically. It still tells us so much about that world and about the characters in it. And 
Uh, fantastic storytelling. And now for a quick look at what Jeremy thought in episode three. Um, I have to say I felt a wide range of emotions while watching it. It took me to many different places. But one of my favorite places that it kept taking me to was because I don't know which life he's going to survive, I don't know which characters are going to be permanently dead. So I really do feel like every character's on the board. Do you guys know that Jeremy used to keep track of the scores through like our first 10 episodes of this? No. And that, that file's still in our Dropbox. So yes, you both gave it a five last time and I gave it a four. And this time I give it a five. Um, if I remember correctly, and I'm sure I don't, I think I gave it a four because I wasn't sure where it was going. Uh, and I, and I was a little hesitant to trust, uh, having, you know, the advanced knowledge of where season one goes. I don't feel that anymore. This was excellent. The psychological horror was fascinating. Uh, time loops are great. This is a great anime. I am so excited for season two. Uh, episode one has dropped already. It's, it's basically here for Baka Baka Baka. We have to wait till it, it finishes, but like I can taste it. So five, five for me. And now for a quick look at what Troy thought in episode three. I actually agree with everything you guys said. The mystery is amazing. Uh, he got, he was being murdered by two separate things and had to solve his own, he had to solve his murder before it happens. That's so cool. Characters are amazing. There was something missing from this show for me. And that's, and it has to do with that time loop. And it, it connected me more with Subaru, but every time he died and reset and he lost those connections, the development of those other characters, I felt that loss and it gave me a little bit of frustration. Um, our next anime is the rest of the first season of ReZero. So we will be watching 14 through 25, and we will then be discussing that in our 101st episode. So we look forward to that. Uh, you, If you would like to leave a comment on ReZero, uh, our podcast, whatever you want to talk about, you can leave it um, on our Twitter at Baka Podcast, or email the anime Baka Club at gmail.com. Or leave a comment wherever you found this podcast and it'll get back to us. Uh, thank you guys so much for listening. For those who have shared with us with this journey, uh, we absolutely love doing this. Uh, it's a hobby. It's for fun. We realize that we, our opinions matter so little. We called the show Idiot, Idiot, <laughs> Idiot. Uh, but we love discussing them anyway and we love discussing them with you. We love hearing your opinions. Uh, and that's really what makes this all worth it. So thank you guys. Uh, and with that, um, I think it's time for us to say goodbye. Thanks for listening. I can't think of anything. No pressure. No pressure. (laughs) It's just the 100th episode. (laughs) See you next time.